You're watching ProWrestling.Cool. And now, QVC for Wrestling. Welcome back, folks, to QVC for Wrestling. I'm John. You know, we have some great products for you in store today. You know, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world today. Like, it just feels so hard. You know, having to be so stuck inside with the coronavirus out there, not feeling like you're really able to leave your house. But, you know, I still have to go out. I still need to live my life somehow, Trace. And if I'm going to have to do this, why can't I be going out while also being able to style and profile? Why, whatever do you mean, John? Well, I guess I'm just looking for some way that I can, you know, keep myself and my family safe while truly showing my love for wrestling during these trying times that we, you know, can't really say the name of here on WWE programming. Well, that's interesting, John. It's a great idea to try and be safe when you're outside in the horrible, horrible toxic wild space that is the outdoors. But how do I do that while also saying I love wrestling? That's a good question. Woo! Have I got a solution for you! What? Really? What's that, Oscar? It is Rick Nichaboy, Ric Flair's new face mask collection. A um, um, face mask collection with the Ric Flair face on it? Tell me more. For just twenty dollars, you can buy. You can buy from a whole range of Ric Flair face masks. We've got fourteen different styles for you. We've got one that's just me going woo. You've got one that says styling and profiling. You've got one that's a bunch of different Ric Flair faces going woo. You've got one that's just Ric Flair giving you the middle finger and it says heel on it. For when you really want to go out in the town and make a statement. Oscar. One that... No, these, these sound amazing, but this also sounds terribly expensive. Like, I would expect to pay upwards of $900 for all these masks. Just for the low, low price of $20 for each mask. So that's $280 for the complete set, plus shipping and handling. That's, that's like about half as much as I expected it to be. We're practically giving them away in these times of crisis. These masks are beautiful quality. They're 95% polyester. They're very stretchy and breathable. Exactly what you need when you're, you know, facing a virus that may be airborne and can, you know, get through the pores of breathable fabric, killing you instantly. Well, the thing is, is I want to be someone who's stretchy and breathable when the coronavirus comes my way. Nature boy! <laughs> but hold on, folks. That's not the only deal that we're offering for you today. Because wouldn't you want to, while also keeping safe, be able to go out while also celebrating the incredible wrestling matches that we had put on this weekend over at WrestleMania? Oh, I heard that went on this weekend. For two days, in fact. It never ended. It was too big for just one night. And what better way to celebrate this monumental occasion of having to do an eight-hour show over two nights than a shirt that truly celebrates what great content Vince Land is putting on. What's Vince Land doing? What, what can I possibly show off to my friends, family, and or pastor with a t-shirt? Well, why don't you tell us, Oscar? For, for the low, low price of 41 Canadian dollars plus shipping and handling. That's like $2 American. Holy crap. I don't know what it costs an American. I'm not American. Two dollars. Cool. 
economy's real tanking down there, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it sure is. We're doing great here in the hellscape. Look, maybe those people should just go back to work. Glenn Beck's willing to die. Have you not seen wrestling? It's That's what they're doing. They're making everyone die. Please tell us about the shirt already. You can buy a Mr. McBossman shirt, which is a puppet that looks like Vince McMahon with devil horns, saying the phrase, This is such good shit. Wow. But hold on there, Oscar. That's a pretty charged statement. I don't know if I could wear something like that in public. Do not fear. The word shit is censored. Oh, good. So I can wear it just alongside my big dog shirts. It's a perfect shirt for wearing while you're rolling around the town in your board shorts, just cruising on down, trying to catch some fat waves, while also, again, trying to not die by breathing into your breathable fabric heel goiters that are gator, whatever the fuck you pronounce this word. Gator. Gator. Yeah, I mean, it's great for the holidays, too. Nothing else says, I love you, it's Christmas, we still can't breathe outside. Like, a Mr. McBoss man, I literally thought that was the guy who cut up the dog and fed it to Al Snow. Uh, shirt. No, it was the guy that convinced him to cut up the dog and feed it to Al Snow. Even better. Oh, no. And you know what, John? No, Trace, you're thinking thinking of Mr. McBigboss man. Oh, that's right. Thank you for that. I, I get confused all the time. They're so popular, and they're great for the kids, too. If there's one thing I know my kids love, it's saying shit at inopportune times. Folks, these great deals that we have won't last very long, so you're going to have to call within the next 20 minutes. If you want to get any of these great things, operators are standing by because we literally can't send them home because, you know, it's a hellscape out there, so we need to keep them chained to their desks to make sure that we don't, you know, infect everybody. I'm looking out at the warehouse right now. There's a guy out there with a forklift. He is screaming and running around at top speed. I think it means we are selling out very quickly. Well, you better act fast. Operators are standing by, so call now! (coughs) Call now. This week... Blur has failed, the world is a fuck, and the only way to save it is to cancel everything. Join us as we try to end wrestling, at least for the time being, but feel helpless in the face of everything, so we just end up talking about NXT TakeOver USA and This Week in AEW. All this and more tonight on Heal Alternative. Wednesday, April 8th, 2020, and welcome to episode 25 of Heel Alternative, Pro Wrestling.cool's Posse Podcast, covering the world of AEW, NXT, and the wide world of professional wrestling outside of Vince's purview. Heck of a show for y'all this week, and let's not get any, you know, let's not waste any more time. Let's just get right on into it. I'm John Gavrexky Maxwell. I'm real tired and fucked up this week because, yo, everything sucks. The coronavirus is terrible. My body is falling apart. I haven't slept in two days. I'm completely out of it. I'm drinking White Claws. Bernie Sanders died for our sins. Fuck everything. I'm joined by Oscar Bernard, and I am, of course, turning it over to our interim host for this week, Trace Evans. 
I'll tell you what, John. AEW is so unpopular, it won the ratings, which is made up of fans. AEW is only unpopular in your echo chamber. Um, at, sorry. That's what I'm going to run with there. Hey, everybody. Uh, what is going on, comrades one and all? I am Trace Evans. I will be running the rest of this because John is despondent as we speak. The world is a vampire and so am I. God damn it, another week of that. Ah, I can't even rest control away from that goddamn statement. You monsters. You monsters. <laughs> But let's not waste any more time. We actually have a lot of content this week, despite the fact that we should be all staying home. 100% staying home. And yet, here we are, still talking about wrestling. That said, let's uh, take a little bit of a detour here, because there is one good thing that didn't involve current wrestling that we can talk about. And it's, as always, the great second season of Dark Side of the Ring. This Who knew week, that talking about stuff from the past would be, like, the only good wrestling content right now? And not only that, talking about bad I mean, stuff from the past. Did you see the Firefly Funhouse? I, I, I didn't see any of WrestleMania. I don't watch it, baby. You should watch that Firefly Funhouse match. I'll find it on Daily Motion or something. It'll I, be there. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just record it and post it on the Discord while I still have Nitro. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Hey, it's how I gave Oscar the episode of Chris Lee Knows Best. Fair. I thought you Google Drive that to me. Yeah, after I recorded it on my iPad. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't pay for Discord Nitro then. Percy aside, we are talking about the <laughs> Brawl for All on Dark Side of the Ring this week. And the Brawl for All, I'm, I'm going to say this personally, was like one of those moments in wrestling history that I felt like I tuned into it. And that was one of those moments like, hey, WWE is doing something interesting here. And then I watched the matches like, hey, WWE is doing something weird here. And after watching this episode, there's a lot of, hey, Vince Russo did something terrible here. Vince Russo fucked everything up, it turns out. Which, hey, it's, surprise, it's, surprise, it's actually, right? Yeah. It's actually funny because before watching this, I was kind of in agreement with Vince Russo. Like, nah, fuck Bradshaw. Yeah, I don't mind seeing this fucking awful idea. But then, but then like, I watched the episode and realized, oh, a lot of people had their fucking careers ended because of this. Yeah, like, this is a lot of fucking damage that you did to the fucking industry and the people that work at it just to fucking spite Bradshaw. And on one hand, again, like you said, Oscar, I get it. Fuck Bradshaw! He yeah. so deserved to die! He, he totally does, but it's... But you like, did have to get him to the finals to kill him. You could have just killed him in the first round. Shit. And beyond that, it's like, this is basically the equivalent of cutting off your nose to spite your face, except instead it's taking a chainsaw to the mid-card locker room to spite Bradshaw. And that's just fucked up. And murdering fucking Steve Williams while you're at it. Yeah, you destroy Steve Williams' career. Uh, Bart Gunn, he kind of gets an underdog story here because he gets screwed in the process because... Whomever wins this is supposed to take on Steve Austin in the next program for him. And that was supposed to be Steve Williams, and uh, clearly that does not happen because he gets his ass knocked out by Bart Gunn. Yep, and Bart Gunn even talks a lot about, like, hey, you know, I was willing to work with them. I was like, all right, you, mm -hmm. I get that you want him to win. You want me to take a dive? And they're like, you're, you're not going to win. Come on. Mm -hmm. And then he won. <laughs> Whoopsies. Very handily, may we add. And... I, mm -hmm. was it Cornette or Russo that was saying that it's like, no one's going to believe Bart Gunn is going to be a main eventer because... That was Cornette. This is the moment where I disagreed with Cornette. It's like, no, Wait, you this was the moment? In this episode. Okay, fair. Yeah. 
this is the moment. This is like one of the only moments in this episode where I thought Cornette was wrong. It's like, no, actually, you have a fucking built-in story for Bart Gunn here. I mean, in fairness, from being from that time and that sort of thing, I will say that would have been given him like a British Bulldog versus Diesel type of push for the world title, which is kind of the same thing as Liquid Death. It would it would not have gone over well, and the alternative wasn't very good either. They just decided, hey, let's find something to salvage the brawl for all from. Let's turn Bart Gunn into an actual boxer and then throw him at Butterbean. Okay, but hear me out. Yeah. Look at who Austin was working with in this time frame anyway. Like, mm-hmm. it was just, you know, it's like, just a continuation of the of him being the third wheel in the Undertaker and Kane feud. Yeah, Undertaker and Kane, both main eventers, very clearly so. But also, it was their feud, like... Mm-hmm. But that's where like, the Mc, Mr. McMahon stuff started spinning. Interfering with them and meddling with their storyline, and that's when he started stepping in and threatening to fire Austin and blah, 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 because his interest yeah, was in then, their story. But then you get the fucking deadly game, and it's like, and then clearly the Rock is your guy. They, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. they could have given, they could have given Bart Gunn like one pay per view match. Maybe, but I, given the hype at that time, it would have gone over really poorly. There, there's no way you could have gained anything from that, and it sucks. But. It's both the failing of the Brawl for All and a failing of basically anything they'd done with the smoking guns up to that point. I mean, even if he came out okay-ish with Degeneration X, let's be honest here, Billy Gunn also did not fare well from all this stuff there. He became Mr. Ass. Do not knock Mr. Ass. I will. He loves to love him. He loves to kick him. But more Besides, down to the better point. Better than when he, you know, a couple years later found true love with Chuck Palumbo. Yeah, I mean, it's... You are, you are sleeping on the one. <laughs> I am sleeping on the one. You are completely right. I did forget about the one Billy Gunn. Yeah, exactly. When they're... He's got it all. Does he have an ass? I mean, presumably. He, his theme song has an awesome fucking sax solo in it. <laughs> it does, it's true. But more to the point from all this, getting it back towards Dark Side of the Ring, yeah, they bring in Butterbean, and they interview him for this episode, and he basically says, yeah, there's no way they're going to beat me because I am a fucking good boxer. And they know their own specialty well, they don't know how to take a punch from someone like me, and as soon as I started rocking him with punches, I knew I could, you know, basically knock him out, and he did. And it was embarrassing what he did say, though, of being like, you know, hey, look, if he had just tried to brawl me Mm -hmm. like he did in those other matches, 50-50 shot that I could have, that you know, I could have taken him. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, he could have potentially got a hit on me and taken me out because, you know, what do I do against a brawler? He tried to box me, though. I'm a fucking boxer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I think more to the point. Go on. Do you think, because he was mentioning that, like, Vince set him up with the boxing school. Mm-hmm. Do you think Vince knew that and was like, "We're just gonna fuck over Bart Gunn"? I mean, that was implied in the in the show. It, it is implied in the show. I don't know necessarily if that's the case or if Vince is so stupid in this regard because it's outside his normal purview that he thought, "Hey, the only way we can have a chance against the boxers is if I give him some boxing skills that clearly nobody in that tournament had." 
other than Mark Merrow. Is the brawl for all? Is the brawl for all professional? Yeah. Uh, Brawl for All was a shit show that tried to mix in some MMA to give Dan Severn an advantage to also Steve Williams with the takedown stuff. And as you saw during this episode, nobody knew what the fuck any of the rules meant. It was worse than, like, pass interference calls. Um, I can't can't believe those rumors that I was reading mm -hmm. this week, or, like, today, after, like, that episode came out of, oh, you know they tried to bring it back, right? When would they have done that? Would be my question because the game show era of NXT. I could see that. That checks out. Yeah, it's like that's when you consider the third season of that or fourth or whatever it was that never ended the redemption season. I could oh, definitely the see third, that. The third season was the all divas season. Oh right, and the fourth season was redemption. That's right. And that's, wow! Can't believe can't believe the winner of the season three brawl for all gets to face Brock Lesnar in a shoot fight at WrestleMania. Good luck, AJ. I mean, you know, all it takes is one good punch. Just don't give her boxing Light lessons. Light it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, the point of this all is that Vince Russo kind of reveals that he is a gigantic piece of shit for endangering everybody like this. And this is the most anger I've ever seen Cornette on this show, talking about how he was. Basically calling Vince Russo up with death threats. Yeah, basically Vince Russo said, yeah, Cornette called me and said death threat. And Cornette's like, I didn't threaten death to him. I just said that he's lucky that I'm not murdering him. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, it, it's a very Chappelle oh, I can't show moment. Believe, hey, Jim. I can't believe for two weeks in a row we are the fucking Rick James Chappelle show sketch. That's it, exactly what it comes off as. And it's spectacular. It's a great watch. Um... Yeah, I rub my feet on on Vince Russo's couch. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to see legitimately what I I completely agree after seeing the repercussions of all of it, maybe one of the worst thought out gimmicks in all of wrestling for WWE at least. Like, if you want to go in the TNA and other you know leagues, Uh, you know what? This is arguably still worse than any gimmick TNA did because. Hey, at least the TNA shit was scripted and they knew where, you know, Mm -hmm. they were able to actually do the thing that they were trying to build to. True. And actually, that brings up a good point. They do kind of tie it up with, like, the rationale behind why Cornette's so angry by bringing up the reason Darren Drozdoff, when he's doing his interviews, is still a paraplegic, which is to say, it's mistakes happen in the ring. Even when you're not trying, when everything's predetermined, when everything's you know trying to be tightly scripted to an extent, yep. mistakes will happen. And you don't want to make it a situation where those mistakes become a part of the reality, like the brawl for all caused with so many injuries, so many hamstrings, and people getting legitimately knocked out and concussed. You know, stuff that shouldn't be happening intentionally in wrestling. So I think that was a good way to kind of tie it together, um, maybe at the expense of poor Dilo Brown, who you can still tell is broken up about the whole ordeal. Yeah, I feel so fucking bad for Dilo. Holy I feel, shit. I feel terrible for him because he legitimately from that era is one of my favorite wrestlers, like top three easily, and still the best frog splash in the business. Like, nobody did it better. Not even Eddie. Also, just looking at the people that were in the Brawl for All tournament, mm-hmm. Who would have thought that the best career to come out of that thing would be fucking PCO? Yeah, and that's yeah, crazy really. because 
it had nothing to do with that tournament. He got his ass kicked because he is a one-eyed man in that tournament, and he got boxed to hell and back and knocked out. But yeah, no. If you, I'm, I am surprised they didn't mention though mm-hmm. that um, it's because of the brawl for all that Savio Vega was never able to wrestle again. Yeah, I wonder if they just weren't able to get in touch with him because that was, he was definitely an injury there as well. Um, or I wonder if they kind of just figured, well, we made our point with draws. Yeah, they made their point with like everybody else involved. I, I think that they brought up his injuries. I don't think they needed to go into every single one necessarily, and they had the biggest points there for like people they destroyed. So that might yeah. be why. But yeah, Savio Vega, another one who got screwed over. Not that his career was going great at that point, but again, that was the whole thing. It's like a bunch of mid-carters with nothing to lose. Let's just put him in legit fights and see what happens. I mean, it wasn't like he was doing nothing at that point. Like, he was still, you know... He was part of, like, the gang Los wars. Barique. Los Bariquas was still a thing. Yeah. One of the worst things ever to be was doing at that time. Gang wars was terrible. There's a reason they stepped the hell away from that as soon as Austin and The Rock started getting hot. Yes. So, it's like, that's that was one of the reasons why WCW was winning at that time. Remember that weird storyline they had with Rikishi where his whole thing was he's making a difference in his community? Hell yeah! I do. Give me making a difference, Fat too. What? Why? They needed some positive imagery to try and... I don't know, man. Gimmicks in wrestling make, are so And bad. then he was being stalked by some people from the hood or whatever, and they never paid off that? No, because then he turned <laughs> into it, being the guy who the ran s- over Steve Austin. I thought after that he turned into the Sultan. Oh, that might be too. The Sultan and then part of Too Cool and then, yeah, okay. There's an order here I'm missing. But regardless, that is way aside from what we need to talk about. Man, the night was shit. Dark Side That's of the Ring. Really hot, hot take. Yeah. Original New Day was just making a difference. Fatu was a trio. Yeah, that is, that's why they were horrible. I, I cannot add anything more to that. Dark Side of the Ring continues to be excellent this season. I recommend every episode they've shown thus far. We'll see if that continues. I mean, you know what's coming next week. What is coming next week, Oscar? Jimmy Snooker. Yeah, I'm it's going to be so real not good. ready. Jimmy Snooker. Count- Are you excited to find out how Vince McMahon covered up that fucking murder? I mean, I actually kind of am excited when you put it that way. <laughs> it, it could be a real bombshell if they bring it up like that. So look. I'm I'm just saying, you know, there is that story that he went into the police station with a briefcase full of money and walked out with Jimmy Snooker. I mean, that's kind of how some of that stuff goes, so... And then he jumped off a cage and we have Mick Foley. <laughs> yes, indeed. All stories have a good ending. Right. Right. Anyways, yeah. You know, I'm just saying, if Vince McMahon didn't cover up that murder, we wouldn't have Dude Love. <laughs> uh, this is the worst timeline. Snooker cast countdown to prison coming soon. The countdown is Snooker's dead. Yeah, I was going to say, countdown is, uh, are we going to dig him up and throw him in prison? I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. We're going to dig him up and put him in prison ourselves. Okay. My favorite misfit. We're the law now. I mean, I'd be great. I'd be very happy with this. So, let's get back into the modern hell timeline, and let's talk about some of the shit that's going down thanks to the recent pandemic, and some of the issues that are starting to spring up with the fact that people can't really tape right now because a lot of states say, hey, 
You need to stop. People are getting sick. No public events. That includes you wrestling. But look, you know what? As we were literally just saying, mm-hmm. the cops have never been able to stop Vince McMahon before. They ain't going to stop him now. And that means WWE's got a plan. What is that, John? Tell me about this. Well, for one, uh, before we get into the plan, did you see that uh, like the, a bunch of ringside, like a federation ringside doctors basically came out and said, like, yeah, you should not be running combat sports right now. I did see this. This is a, was a very big stance they took. And basically it was dreamed not only wrestling, but all MMA as well, because UFC is trying to spin up right now as well. Reportedly from an undisclosed location on an Indian reserve tribal law in play. He fucking apparently bought an island. <laughs> he apparently not- bought an island so that he could fucking do the King of the Iron Fist tournament or some shit. Mm-hmm. There, there is this talk uh, about this, yes. Dana White, you're I'm a gonna, fucking monster. But I'm gonna be real, that's the most Dana White fucking... <laughs> and that's the thing, too, that's kind of a problem with all this, is if Dana White's doing something like that, you know Vince wants a piece of it because he thinks he's just as good, if not worlds better than Dana White. Indeed. Vince is not going that far yet, but he is basically going with... I'm rich, I can do whatever the fuck I want, fuck you, you're not going to stop me. And they've announced that, uh, yeah, uh, WWE is going to resume taping this Friday at the Performance Center. So, great. Um, the cops still could stop this if they wanted to, perhaps, like, abide by the restrictions Governor of Florida's put out there? It's a good question. If Yeah, like, is that going to happen? Are the cops going to break it up? It's like, you know, especially when they've pretty much said publicly, like, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is where we're doing it. Mm-hmm. This I is mean, when we're doing it. Like, for the AEW comparison to this, like, there are a lot of people saying, hey, the event in Georgia did, which now we know was at QT Marshall's um, basically training camp or training facility was actually visited by cops. And it wasn't to shut it down because of coronavirus stuff. It was to make sure they had necessary permits. But if that's all it takes to summon cops to your location, what hope does the PC have if the cops know there's a bunch of cars pulling in there and definitely people not listening to stay-at-home requests? Yeah. It's okay. All the cops are just local indie wrestlers. I mean, if that's the case, then... They don't even know how to put on handcuffs. I mean, well, we'll find out about that one, but... This is kind of a stay tuned, but it sounds like WWE is just going to stop listening and go back to work, which is not great. Not a great look. And it sounds like... Live from Rikers Island! It's no way out! It sounds like their idea to mitigate this is, you know, their their plan, apparently, is that they're going to record three straight weeks of both Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Uh, you know, they're, that's presumed that NXT, like, they could be doing full sale, like they have been doing for some of these shows. Like, all the right. stuff that they, they had tonight on NXT was, was recorded full sale, so who knows? They could probably do there, too. But, mm-hmm. like, you'd wonder if full sale would want to be pissing off the cops and all of this. I mean, given that they're technically still a uh, university that probably wants to get students working remotely and probably doesn't want to have any issues with the cops that actually could interrupt legitimate classes, it does make you wonder. So we'll see. Time will tell. But in the meantime, you know, you have UFC and WWE trying to spin back up. Uh, naturally, the number three, uh, wait, number four, number five, number six promotion in North America wants a piece of that pie, too. 
The Island of Misfit Wrestlers. The Island Misfit Wrestlers wants to get back going again, and it starts with Tommy Dreamer. Tell me about this one, John. Wait, wait is the Island of Misfit Wrestlers the name of the island Vince McMahon is buying to host wrestling shows? No, no, that's a totally different island. That's the one. No, that's he's it. buying Biggest St. James Island. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say Zach Island, but that's way better. Tommy Dreamer is currently. Wow, my friend gave me such a good deal on this island after he died. Tell me about Tommy Dreamer already, John. Tommy Dreamer, I was trying to think of some Tommy way to, to turn Jeff being Vince being in Jeffrey Epstein's book to such good shit, pal. But, you know, Tommy Dreamer's currently in Nashville because apparently he is uh, helping to produce uh, the next set of tapings from Impact Wrestling, which are going to happen on a closed set in Nashville. So, yeah, Impact is spinning up to... Probably the same sort of audience they'd have anyways, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's the joke. Too easy head to take it. The plan is, though, that they're apparently going to record six to eight weeks of television and potentially the Rebellion show as well. Oh, okay. And just basically release that as a pay-per-view tape delayed. Yeah, uh, may- maybe not a pay-per-view. There is talk about maybe they'll they'll just do it as, a, uh, as an access special. Okay, gotcha. I mean, that would be probably sensical given that I'm not sure people are going to pay for wrestling given how the ratings have been as of late. Yeah, really. I mean, fuck. We'll we'll get to it when we talk about AEW, but holy shit, those ratings. Yeah, the ratings, spoiler alert, they're all down, and it's just, ugh. It's all bad. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Is AEW still not, like, one of the highest rated non-new shows? It is, it but... It is, yeah. It's just all the news which shows. Is, which is insane to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's completely nuts to think about, but yeah, it's basically like... I, I don't even know where to start with it. Like, I don't know what the ratings are for non-news shows other than this, other than I can say safely that all the virtual racing stuff that like NASCAR and IndyCar are doing are drawing just as much, if not twice as many viewers. Which, I don't have a good metric for that, because I don't know what the ratings were beforehand. I can just tell you that the ratings are about half to like 60% of what they should be for AEW and NXT. It's still very distressing, yeah, that like these shows are basically, you know, look, they're clearly not as, they're diminished, but like they're trying to continue as as planned as, you know, just going forward with it and like the ratings are just cratering. People just don't care. Yeah, and well, we'll get into exactly why, I'm sure, later tonight, because there's pretty clear-cut reasons why that would be. <clears throat> there's one more little mention here that you've put here in the news about all the world being so fucked up. And, John, I've not heard anything about this, so I'm going to need your help on this. Yeah, uh, we need to talk about the fact that like, there is actually one big, one big showing that we can point to of why people should not be doing these shows anymore and why people should be staying at home. And that's what's currently happening to Jake the Snake Roberts. Which stuff... I actually did hear about this. Uh, It's a terrible situation here. This is... uh, Especially given he's cutting, like, the promos of his life right now. Yeah, but basically... um, Someone interviewed Jake the Snake and, you know, to talk about what's going on with him right now. And he basically revealed that he's stuck in... Atlanta currently living in a hotel. Which, is this because he's suspected to have coronavirus, or is he just quarantining before he returns home? 
he is basically in self-quarantine right now. The way that he put it was, you know, he he went out to do those to do those dynamite tapings in Mm -hmm. Georgia. And he was basically, you know, of course, he's been living at uh, the DDP complex with with DDP. Right. Um, And he was pretty much told, like, hey, if you leave, you can't come back. Oh, I did not realize this. Yeah, like, because, you know, DDP has a young child. He has other people in the house. Like, you know, so he was pretty much told, like, hey, this is a quarantine situation. If you leave, you can't come back. Well, not to mention the fact that DDP has, like, daily exercises he live streams from his facility. If he has someone there who comes in sick and infects everybody, that probably hurts his bottom line pretty seriously. Yep. So, So, Jake felt that, like, he needed to do the wrestling and he needed to be there. Mm-hmm. So now he has to, you know, he basically said in in the interview, I'm paying the price. He has to live in a hotel for like the next three to four weeks now, which, you know, you have to fuck, you have to fucking worry about that considering you know, everything we know about Jake and his history. Like, well, you saw Jake's tweet about this, right? No, I didn't. Yeah, me neither. Uh, getting tough, being alone all the time. Hotel room keeps shrinking. Jealous of those with families or partners. Still sober. Whew, that Thank is God for that. That's distressing yeah. though, a little bit. Like somebody needs to start getting him hooked up with some sort of teleconferencing or something he can work with. Because that I, I just want have to Cody believe... hang out with him. Fuck yeah, exactly. Like, I want to believe that DDP is still at least teleconferencing him. I would hope so because like DDP is the reason he's like sober now. Like DDP has made a lot of old wrestlers who were basically super talented and experienced that fell off a wagon and then fell off another one. He's kind of made them clean. Also, also in the replies to these tweets, um, Lance Archer is apparently checking in on him. That's good. That's good to hear. Cause That's like, good. Yeah. I, I'm sure he and Lance Archer have bonded a bit closer ever since that program started. But yeah, yeah otherwise, AEW, you need to make sure you take care of your man. Dead yeah, serious. and like... You know, the the one thing that did definitely came out of this is Jake the Snake very much said, like, hey, look, I understand now. Like, nobody should be doing shows right now. This is actually serious, and mm-hmm. I regret the decisions that I've made. Yeah, and... People should learn from my mistake. And sure doesn't seem like anybody's doing that. No, it really doesn't. Um, I mean, God, we talked about it all last week. David Starr was right, and yet nobody is listening at all. Like... We'll see if AEW listens, because they've got a bunch of tapings in the books now, allegedly. But they sure as hell weren't listening when they should have been. Yep. And now we know NXT really isn't listening. And that kind of leads us to, they did a special takeover I didn't realize about here, John. And you they watched it. They did! This week, they basically, you know, they've been advertising for the past couple weeks of like, hey, we're going to do those takeover matches just on television. And mm. this was, you know, for all intents and purposes... Uh, they had been advertising this at one point as NXT TakeOver USA. Which is weird to think about, given it's not really over the entire U.S. last we checked. True. But, you know, USA Network, I see what they're going for here. Oh, um, got you. Okay, so it's like we're on the network, so... That, 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 that's a neat little take. I Yeah, they and so admittedly... Weird. They didn't really super lean into this in the actual show itself, and really there was like only there's only one match that actually had takeover branding on it, and it was pretty funny to see it just like, you know, it was literally just the Tampa Pirate shit, but they just removed the words Tampa from it. Oh my god. Look, uh we uh paid uh 
for those graphics. Uh, we're uh, gonna use them. Uh. Uh, faster signs are called, uh, and uh, they want us to uh, pick up the graphics uh, before they force to close. Uh. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. This was basically a. This is basically a, a two-match show with an extra, you know, a couple little extra things in the middle there and one, like, little jobber squash to, like, you know, put over some people. But, so the, like, mm-hmm. yeah? I, I figure the first big match that we're talking about here has to be the women's ladder match for the number one contendership. Am I right? It was indeed the first match on the show, the women's ladder match uh, featuring Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, Mia Yim, Candice LeRae, uh, Io Shirai, and Chelsea Green with her manager, Robbie, Robert Stone. Oh, she's with Robert Stone now. Interesting. She is. That's, uh, I guess, one way to use him, given that I think people he was with might be with someone we talk about later. Um, Indeed. But how was this match, John? This sounds like it could be a potential shit show. So, I mean, here's the thing. First, I'm going to start with a positive, which is to say that... Io Shirai's entrance in an empty arena is fucking awesome because I could. All I'm hearing is the song. I mean, that's kind of like how it should be. It should be haunting like that. That she hers seems perfect for empty arena. The only thing that could have made it better is if Mara wasn't talking over the entire thing, which is like rule number one for commentary. Let's be clear here. I feel Cody. really bad. I feel really bad though because it was it, Mara was having to do the whole thing by himself. Oh, that stinks. So, yeah. yeah. Like, and, and, you know, he did a good job. It's still Morrow. He's great mm-hmm. at it. It's just definitely, like, especially during the uh, during the second match there, uh, his voice was clearly going. And I was just like, oh, I feel so bad for him. Yeah, he doesn't get the breaks Mama from other Mia, people. They've left me. they left me all by myself, just like the Celine Dion song. <laughs> yeah, no, that's accurate. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I was going to chastise you, but that's real good. Yeah, you got it. We'll take that one. We'll accept it. Got it one. <laughs> but yeah, it, this, to me, that sounds a lot like, like when Kevin Kelly has to do shows by himself for New Japan stuff, he starts sounding eventually like the uncle that wants to show you the slides of his vacations from a year ago on his phone. And it's fine. <laughs> it's cool. He's a nice guy. But it's at some point, it's like, it, shouldn't someone else be talking to him? If only WWE hadn't burned their bridge with a commentator real good at doing commentary by himself. Yeah, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice, but, uh, yeah. Again, Morrow is, Morrow is very good at doing it by himself. It's just, you know, you could definitely hear his voice starting to fall apart. It's just mm-hmm. like, God damn, this is hard. Yeah. I it, feel it, really bad for him. Nobody should have to do a show by themselves. You need the water breaks. Yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, it's pre-taped. <laughs> Why can't like why couldn't they just have him record the commentary over afterwards like and let him take the breaks he needs? I mean honestly I was wondering that. Like I was even wondering that with AEW. It was like, yeah, it's pre-taped. Why don't they just do the commentary live? I feel like it's a point we can even cover later, but yeah, there's really no reason for why they need to do that now or later. If you give somebody the right setup for a match, it's like it doesn't matter whether they're there in the moment or if they're seeing it for the first time on video. Yeah, the reaction I mean, should be legitimate either way. Yeah, I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, like, well, you know, we're going to talk about it in a little mm-hmm. bit, but like, you know, oh, shit, yeah. you know, being the elite, they had fucking wrestling matches on there. Excalibur yep. did the commentary for it. Clearly, they had just fucking like sent him their fucking like, you know, videos they took of the match on their phone and just like, here, do commentary. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So we'll talk about that more when that happens, because that's an interesting scenario in itself. But yeah, it's like you don't need to 
pre-record it like this. Right, not at all. So they could have saved his voice, but they didn't. And instead, we got all the chaos of this ladder match. So tell me about everything past EO. You know, it was a good match. Like, the problem... This is something that Owen and I talked about in the the WrestleMania reviews over at Patreon.cool. For just $5, you get our Patreon podcast, which include all of our our pay-per-view reviews and other fun stuff that we do. And we reviewed both nights of WrestleMania, too big for just one night. But I guess you could say it was too big for just one podcast, right? Yeah, ah. it was two podcasts. I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, it was, like, it was two. So, general, you know, I'm going to talk about, like, the general issues that I had with not just this show, but all the WWE stuff since, like, they've gone this pre-taping thing of, like, yo, for stuff that they're pre-taping, like, I don't understand why they keep having these, like, terrible camera angles and just, like cutting away from fucking like moves at like the worst times like because this is because we know now especially now that it's pre-taped we know this isn't just this is not them not capturing it in the moment this is the aesthetic they want it sure seems that way because we know for a fact that if you can tape these matches there is an organization from a long time ago that did this perfectly, known as Lucha Underground, that if you messed up a move and you need to redo it or get a better angle, you just redid the move and reshot it. And nobody yeah. cared. Especially and not when there's no crowd. Lucha Underground yeah. had crowd, then they were just told to react again. You know, and not to skip forward here, but, like, you know, it definitely plays into things like, hey, look, they did a bit where, uh, you know, because... Because Dakota was joined by Raina Gonzalez, who's her, mm-hmm. her new muscle that's, like, protecting her. Right. Uh, one of the spots they did was, like, Raina was up on the apron and, like, you know, trying to fight with people. Mia Yim basically uh, power bombs Rhea, uh, Raina into a table on the outside from, the from like, the top rope. And mm. as oh. she is doing that power bomb, putting her through the table, they cut away. Which, why would so they do that? you don't actually see it. And it just, but, like, you know, it just makes me go, like... Did they fuck something up? Did this go, like, really bad and they just didn't want to show it? It makes you wonder if there's, like, someone, some impact or something. It's like, well, if we actually show this on camera, we could potentially get in trouble if she comes down with CTE later or something like that. Which, in that case, who cares? Cut that scene, sweep up the table, put a new table down there, reshoot. I know that's really cold and callous to say, especially given the reason I just put out there, but why didn't they just reshoot it? You're saying that comes to, like, a big thing, and this is something that Owen and I talked a lot about on Mm -hmm. the WrestleMania Night 1 podcast in the context of the ladder match that they did for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a fun match. I'm not going to say that this match was as good as that one. Like, you know, it's definitely, I think it was, I think it had a lot of the issues that I feel like a lot of women's ladder matches in this company have of, like, the people involved feel a lot more tentative about it. It feels mm-hmm. like a, a lot of the spots feel a lot more rehearsed and a lot more careful than they do gotcha. in, like, the men's matches, which, you know, hey, it's I'm not going to complain about the fact that they're, like, you know, trying to keep each other safe and not, like, hurt each other as much, but, right. like, it loses something, you know? There's a bit of controlled chaos I think you're looking for here. Yeah, but the problem I have with it, and it's just like with that match here, is that, like, you don't... Why are you doing... A fucking super dangerous, chaotic, fucked up match like a ladder match where people are really fucking hurting themselves doing stupid spots to no reaction. Right. The big thing is hearing the table in the arena or seeing somebody fall off a ladder that's way taller in person than you realize and people just screaming their heads off. 
Yeah, and then you like you know, sure, you still get to hear like the sound of like you know, oh man, she went through this ladder and like it broke. That's crazy, but it's mm-hmm. just like you're just causing so much fucking damage to these people, and for what? It's not getting them over with a with a crowd. It's not getting them over with a crowd, and it's not getting them over with. I have to assume it's not going to get them super over with the television audience because the television audience is kind of tuning out right now. Mm-hmm. True. So, in that regard, do you think it would have been better if they just said? Without the crowd, we shouldn't do a ladder match. We should just do an elimination match. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is this should have just they should have just done an elimination match for like the sake of their talent? Because like you know what's the because like here's a perfect example of like a spot that I felt was so unnecessary. They had a whole thing where like Chelsea Green hurt her ankle or hurt her leg. She couldn't really walk. She couldn't climb up the thing. And mm-hmm. Robert Stone just like gets in the ring, climbs the ladder, and is basically, like, trying to pull her up the ladder from the other side and, like, you know, convince her to get up the ladder. This is basically also they could just have a spot of, like, Candice and, uh, I don't even remember who the other one, it was the other babyface, Tegan, uh, Mm -hmm. pushing over, pushing over the ladder with them both on it so that, like, what's his name, Robert Stone can fall out of the ring. Okay, yeah, that seems completely unnecessary for anything except a huge pop. Exactly. It's like a kind of thing where it's just like, it's a spot that's just about a pop and like dragging these things out. And it's just, you're causing a dude to have to fall out of a ring from a ladder. For what? Who are you performing this for? For the millions at home. Yeah, the only way I can think this actually makes any sense in the grand scheme of things is if they're going to recut the footage somewhere and use it for, like, big packages later on. Which, honestly, if you have no crowd around there and you have shots of a crowdless place where people are going through tables, not a good look. So, It just that said, feels so unnecessary to me to, like, have to put your performers through this much damage and through this much pain for, again, a match that just doesn't really have any payoff to it right it feels like the old you know indie th- cred about if you've got a small house don't do the big spots and save it for the big you know houses yeah like this just yeah. felt like doing it for the sake of doing it not actually considering why you're doing this but right. hey i will say for a brief moment i was super fucking stoked when yoshirai won and it's then i idea. remembered what happened on sunday yeah I mean, we don't need to get too much into it, but there's rumors also that it surrounds a certain uh, champion or former champion potentially losing their visa over all of this uh, world issue. So there, there has been some talk that maybe that maybe that rumor was not as you know true as mm-hmm. as was suggested at first, mm-hmm. or like you know because like it seems like Rhea herself is maybe being like, no, I'm still in America. I haven't gone. I haven't gone back to to Australia. But like. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that the the visa issue is not still there. Right, exactly. It doesn't mean, like, it, eventually they're going to step in probably when it's safe and say, hey, you got 48 hours, go back. Yeah. But that if that's really the case or not, who knows? But we do know that Charlotte is a champion and she gets to face Io Shirai. And I don't really have any enthusiasm for that match because it features Charlotte Flair. Yep. Like... The, that's the fucking problem of putting the belt on Charlotte is like, if you're not ha- going to have Rhea be the one that beats Charlotte to get the belt back, then what the fuck are you doing? So yeah. you're just going to basically sacrifice everybody at the altar of Charlotte, which great, cool. You're going to destroy your coolest character on Charlotte. 
yeah, again, it feels like they're spending too much capital on something they probably could have thought through a little more. They they could have thought through period in more. I mean, the idea that Charlotte and Rhea Ripley happened in the first place is bad. But that's getting into a whole different thing for a bad place that we don't talk about podcasts and stuff like that. Io Shirai won the ladder match. That's what matters here. Um, and hey, it could have been good if they just let Charlotte do the job like they should have done. Yep. And this would have been a really fun match from that point forward. But it's not going to be. And so you're showing this thing here about um, this this man I used to know as the real rock and roller. Oh yeah, I mean we can just there's we can just skip the other stuff that really happened on the show. Basically, they they yeah. advertised like that Finn Balor was gonna you know talk about his next moves, which basically just involved them showing like pretty much the entirety of his of his one NXT UK match from a few weeks ago, well, and then boring. just like cutting a, a webcam promo basically about how he's gonna fight Walter eventually. Okay, that's completely un- uninteresting. So great on him for doing that, I guess. And you know, I'll, hey, it's it's still a cool match, I guess, but yeah, look, it's not going to fucking happen anytime for... soon because the cancel takeover UK. Right. So let's just wait till that happens before we really get into it. It'll be interesting then, but it's like right now, if that's all they're going to talk about, then well, we can talk about like overdrawn promos uh, very shortly here in more detail because like AEW is doing the same with a certain match that I absolutely hate, and it's just like just put them on the ice until you actually can do the match. Indeed. And so you want to talk any bit about Malcolm Bivens and his move? Yeah, Malcolm Bivens, formerly Stokely Hathaway. Uh, Mm -hmm. He brought his new tag team that had debuted, I guess, a week or two ago, something like that. Uh, Basically, they jumped uh, fucking Matt Riddle after a match to beat the shit out of him. Uh, It's his new tag team, Indusure, Rinku and and Sarau. They had a jobber match against that Everrise team that I forget exists. Yeah, I've never heard of them before. I don't get this team. They just, I wrote in the notes here, it feels like if the authors of Pain were two NXT Rusevs. Oh, so, yeah, that just seems like you've gotten two big hosses together who are needing to learn the business together and put them with oh, a Not manager. just two most, big hosses, two big foreign road. heel mm-hmm. hosses. Yeah, exactly, foreign heel. Like, AOP was kind of branded like, you know, Eastern European-wise or, you know, Azerbaijan, whatever you want to do with them. And then, you know, obviously you saw that win with them. They're not in great situation on the bad place. Yep, Indusure seems to be, I, I, they're some kind of somewhere in the ages. I guess, like, I don't know what 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 the fuck is this gimmick? What the fuck yeah. is this? I don't know. That that just sounds like that. Maybe let them have some work in NXT and start workshopping them a bit. See if you can find yourself a good team from this, but. Doesn't sound like we they're have much two, hope for that. They're two bare, very big chonky boys who look very green. It was very clear from watching the match, even with the camera angles that they chose, that like you know a lot of their moves weren't connecting. Ooh. Like, oh, hitting a big boot that clearly was nowhere near his face. Oh, hitting an elbow drop that clearly was nowhere near his chest. So basically, they will become Matthew's favorite tag team in the near future. Jesus! <laughs> All right, so we'll get off that. I think they're going to be uh, a little bit of a... Well, we didn't have any hope to begin with, so let's not even imply we had any. 
Yep. Um, so let's just get to the main event here. Yeah, exactly. I want to hear about this main event. The trill, the tr- final chapter of the trilogy of weird pre-taped WWE matches made to look all cinematic and shit. Mm-hmm. Tomasa Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, one final beat. What happened here? It's pretty amazing to me how this weekend we've basically seen the new Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> we had the Boneyard the Boneyard match was is the fucking Force Awakens. Okay. The Firefly Funhouse match was the Rise of Skywalker. Or not the Rise. It was the the Last Jedi. Right, just as controversial as I've heard. And just as brilliant and better than literally any other thing that they've done. Yeah, fuck the critics. And then one final beat with the Rise of Skywalker. So, why... Wait, John, Tommaso Ciampa is actually Palpatine's grandson? No, but Candice Ray is his granddaughter. Oh, what? Oh, so so she, she chose the name Candace Skywalker. <laughs> after burying Johnny, after burying Tommaso Ciampa's arm. No, she went with uh, Candace Wrestling. Gotcha. Oh God! I, f- I... okay. <laughs> I need to yell because in in the two K games, they one of the new features they added with nineteen is having the commentators like when Sasha Banks comes out, Michael Cole will yell, "It's boss time!" Turn that off. Yeah, turn that off. You can't. Okay. But for Candice LeRae, her thing is Michael Cole yelling, It's Candice Wrestling! And I'm like, do they... I fucking hate it! And I'm mad it's a real thing again. Jeez. So, what made this so special, like, alongside Firefly and Boneyard? So basically, what made it special was that, like, it was, you know... they taped it was filmed it was you mm-hmm. know they used basically shaky cams and okay. just like very it was very much like it felt like f- they filmed it in a lot of ways like you know the final deletion okay. or or even like in some ways like you know some of the the lucha underground stuff so basically like the specific small moves don't matter so much but the big spots will get their point in the sun but that's the thing is also not really because oh. what it ended up being, basically, was just... It kind of just ended up being their fucking unsanctioned match again. But with, like, shaky cam. And be, instead of being in a fucking arena filled with people, it was in what... I I can't decide. It was either a warehouse on the Full sale campus, where they just had a ring in there. Okay. Or it was just actually the NXT arena, but they didn't have any of the shit in there. So either way, this is confusing to me. Like, it's just, yeah. You you could throw so many twists and turns in here. You could make me finally see, you know, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, who has the real plot point here, you know, and where everybody comes from, maybe because like that's been a little bit confused in the last few legs of this feud, as it were. Like, is Champa the good guy? Is Gargano going bad? Why is he allying with Champa? So on, so on. What the hell happened here? I'm reading some of the stuff here. This is confusing as hell to me, this ending. I mean, basically what happened was that, like, this was just, like I said, it was their unsanctioned match again. 
they even you know the difference was like okay instead of like you know literally is like drake drake wertz was the referee again and he was wearing the exact same like outfit that he wore in that match of like i'm not dressed as a referee i'm just dressed as an nxt dude so basically johnny and candace somehow try to act like they're the good guys while then being absolutely brutal and destroying Tommaso Ciampa, if I'm to understand. Basically. I mean, what happened was, yeah, it was a brutal fucking match where they just, like, wrestled in this fucking, you know, empty, in this fucking empty, like, arena uh, warehouse area, or in this ring, around the ring, going into, like, you know, these moving crates that were next Mm. to the ring where basically, hey, surprise, they had all the fucking props in there, so, like, you want your trash cans and your lids? There's that. You want Tommaso Ciampa's crutch? His fucking camo crutch? It's in there. You need a, you need a fire extinguisher so Johnny Gargano can just shoot it in Ciampa's eyes to get the, to drop on him? There you go! So essentially it's you know, stacked I, as well I, as WCW backstage assault. Yeah, and then eventually they fight to the outside and they're just fighting in the parking lot on top of a production truck, just like oh. in the fucking, the fucking Edge and Randy Orton last man standing match. I was about to say, it sounds very familiar what you're just saying there. The thing is, yeah, it was a lot of like, you know... I feel like it was definitely a better pace match than that, but, like, it also didn't have the excitement of, like, you know, we're just going everywhere beating the shit out of each other. It just ended up being, like, you know, a lot of callbacks to the stuff that they've already done with, you know, a couple little twists here and there, but, like, a lot of callbacks there. And it also didn't help. I feel like, you know, there are a lot of problems with this match that made it feel way more slow and plotting and boring, not the least of which being, like, for one, it was basically... It was basically a 50-minute match. Like, granted, it also had a shit ton of commercials that completely killed the pacing on it. Yeah, that does not help matters. But, like, yeah, pretty much this match started a little around, like, 5 after, 10 after 9, and it it ended the show. That sounds dreadful, honestly. And there was no commentary the entire time. Which is, now that's befuddling. Why would you do that? And not only was there no commentary, there there wasn't any background music, there wasn't anything. It was so a lot of time, it's just silence. It's just, the only sound is just them fighting and them grunting. And like, you know, sometimes they'll talk shit to each other and like, you know, they'll say things to each other. But like, it can be difficult to hear it because they didn't mic it well. So you're really only getting like, you know, the camera mics for it. So essentially, yeah, go on. I guess kind of the problem I can think of is, you know, because you compared this obviously to the Bowen Yard and the Firefly Funhouse. Mm-hmm. I guess what it sounds like, the thing that this cinematic match is lacking that kind of really helped the other one is, you know, The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt are both functionally magical, fantastical beings that benefit from a cinematic universe as opposed to, you know... Johnson Rasselman and Tommy Champs, who are both just dudes who can fight. Right, that seems accurate. It's just like there's mysticism and, you know, behind like, that stuff. I think the difference and, like, there, again, though, with the broken mat stuff too, is yeah. you know, 
maybe you know maybe there wasn't well I, I guess there was mysticism but also it's just like it was so batshit insane the characters involved in right. but I think Which, the difference there though is like look at something like the final deletion like the final deletion is not exactly like a super you know it's it, it's got some fucking stupid shit in it don't get me wrong oh it does and like you know they're shooting fucking fireworks at each other but like <laughs> it's not a fucking match where like a lot of extreme insane shit that like you know it really needs to be filmed like that happens in they're not doing like insane fucking stunts that like you know you can't just that you couldn't normally do in a wrestling match they're not doing shit like the firefly funhouse match or even the fucking you know the boneyard match but they're still able to make it work because they play into the fact that this is being <coughs> something that's being filmed that this is something that's being but- presented in a different way this was just this was just straight up this is how they would present a wrestling match but they didn't present, but like the camera angles and the shots weren't the, the shots that they would do if they were in the NXT arena. But also the final deletion, admittedly, it's been a little bit since I've seen it, but that also feels like, it, sure, they weren't doing crazy stunts, but it also benefited from the setting of the compound and... I mean, you yeah, there was like you story beats done to that each with, you know, Look, the way that they sold this match was basically like, Yo, we're just going to find a fucking empty arena. It doesn't even matter where. I'm just going to tell you a place to come and you're going to go there and we're just going to fucking you're just going to fucking fight it to the death until this is what done. I can't so what you're saying is Tommaso Ciampa asked Johnny Gargano to meet him at the Alamo. The no. Tommy Kid Mafia. No, because Triple H told them where to meet. Long-term booking. They could have. Just the thing is, they could have just done so many like interesting or strange things with this, and like they really didn't. They just did yeah. all the shit from their old matches. Literally, like a lot of the match revolved around Tomasa Champa cutting up the ring and revealing the hard wooden floor so that that's, he could drop Johnny Gargano on it. Wait a minute. That's not something you need to do in a match like this. That's been done. It's been done a couple times in different, very high-level feuds around fuck that, wrestling. Fuck that, Trace. It's been done by them. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like this weekend. Yeah, it's a case of let's just maybe try something more creative. That just that sounds like an entire bummer. Like they like ran out you, of ideas. Yeah, like you but, literally ended a pay-per-view on Gar- on fucking Gargano getting fucking. Sp- his head spiked into the fucking wooden canvas mm-hmm. by Gar- by Jumpa after he did that. I mean, I'm going to say there's maybe a lukewarm take here. There are no ideas. There is nowhere you can take Gargano Champa anymore. Well, that's what I think you the have... whole point is here is that I was trying to get at yeah. is that it sounds like they could have done so many things. They just don't know what to do with each other anymore. Like, yeah, I could if I could foresee like doing a freaking tour of full sale. Going down the road, finding different places just to battle like crazy. They could have done a goddamn Hollywood backlot brawl type thing where they're driving down roads, stopping at places, beating crap out of each other, something cornball like that. And it sounds like it would have been better than this. And some footage of the OJ chase, too. Yeah, God. At this point. But I mean, what what, what it sounds like you're saying is next week on NXT, Johnny Gargano needs to introduce his new teammate. Keith Lee to go up against Tom uh, Tommaso Ciampa and his new teammate Dominic Dijakovic. You no, son of a bitch. Because you son of a bitch. Keith Lee is clearly the babyface. 
So he would have to be with Tommy Champs. We have to. Is Gargano not the face here? So that's the thing is that like the whole thing was predicated on Tommy Champs is the baby face. Johnny Gargano is the heel. But like Johnny, yeah, as we've talked about in the past few weeks, Johnny Gargano's reasoning for for turning on Champa, fucking him out of his title, and like you know doing this heel shit is, hey. Y'all remember when he fucking tried to kill me? Y'all remember when he tried to fucking end my career and ruin my life and did all of this shit to me? And, like, you people have just forgiven him? You, like, he never apologized. He never fucking said he was sorry. And you people just like him now? What the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, he's right. No, yeah. but he's right. Like... Chompa's a fucking monster. And yeah, it's like, okay, Johnny is saying shit like, you know, you're a terrible father, you're a terrible person. Like, basically saying, like, all this shit to him that's like, okay, that's maybe a little over the line. You're being an asshole here, Johnny. But, like, again, we know what Chompa did. He's not sorry about it. He doesn't feel repentant about it. And, like, it doesn't make sense... And it just, it's all really strange until the ending. Mm-hmm. And the ending is where I thought it got interesting. So okay, the match opens, me. so the match opens with, uh, Candace is dropping Johnny off at the show at, you know, okay. at the match at the, okay. the place. And okay. she, she's clearly very fucking pissed at him and wants fucking nothing to do with him. You know, okay. shit we've seen before. Like, remember, right. like this was basically the story that they were telling when Johnny turned heel and was teaming up with Champa. You know, like, yeah, and she was like, "What the fuck are you doing with yeah. this?" And she's basically like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, that's her whole thing. Is like, you know, he tries to get her to give him a kiss, and she's mm-hmm. like, "No, fuck you!" Like, right. basically, she just hands him a fucking paper bag and just drives away angrily. We don't mm-hmm. ever see what's in the paper bag. We just move on. Mm-hmm. So, okay. it's it, it's it's being put in Shane's lockbox. They drive so. As this match is going on, they've just beaten the fucking shit out of each other. Candace just walks into the match okay. just to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why do you fuck? Like, just fucking stop. Why are you yeah. fucking doing this? And literally, she just looks at him and looks at Chop and says, like, you've made me hate my husband. Are you happy now? I mean, that's just, a good ending, but it should have like, been predicated by a good match. Just finish. Like, ba- like basically just yelling at him to just finish this. You made me hate my husband. You made me hate my life. Just fucking end this already. Mm-hmm. And Chapa's like, like, finally, for like the first time, Chapa shows some remorse. Chapa's like, what the fuck have I done? And then fucking Candace goes, you know what? I'm going to finish it. And she fucking kicks Johnny in the balls and walks away. Okay. And there, that's... Chompa, and but like, there's a moment there where Chompa's like, it actually has like a good moment of Chompa realizing like, holy shit, I've actually fucking destroyed like my best friend's life. Like, mm-hmm. I actually have done it. I've destroyed his fucking marriage. And he has literally like has this moment just like these like heading is like, it's over. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. It's over. And, like, you know, they're trying to hug it out, and to which Johnny says, I'm sorry, too. And then Candace kicks Tommy Champs in the fucking dick from behind. That just seems unnecessary at this point. Like, you had two endings, and you decided to show them both. Because what was in the paper bag was a cup. Ah, God, that storyline. Okay. 
Johnny Gargano fa- fairy tale endings, fucking Tommy Champs on the wooden fucking exposed Uz ring. One, two, three. She and he and his wife leave arm in arm. It's like you did it. You're. I'm so happy for you. You did it. It's over. You did it. Great. So um, I guess Candace is a heel now. I I guess I don't understand the story at all. Like it, that's I guess... the thing is I don't understand it either. It's just they've literally you know this was supposed to be the ending. This was mm-hmm. supposed to be the last thing, and they ended it by. Doing the, by again, doing the part where Tom, where fucking Gargano turned on Ciampa to turn back to a baby face. And like, you know, the whole thing was like, oh, he and fucking Candace tricked, tricked fucking Ciampa into thinking that they were having problems so that they could fucking get him and trap him. But now we're supposed to be angry at Johnny Gargano. What? If you told me the ending to this match right now, I'd say, oh, yeah, well, they just want Johnny to be a face again and just have him kick some dicks in the process, and Tommaso is a defeated heel, which is, like, contrary to what you said at the start. So, I'm confused. I don't get it. I guess we'll have to wait and sounds see on the rest bad. of this. It, it sounds like like they don't understand their own storyline here at this point. This was so, a I... fucking mess. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's basically now all I can guess is just like, all right, well... And also, it doesn't make sense because it's like, okay, so... You had Candace as a fucking baby face right. in the fucking ladder match at the beginning of the show. And now suddenly, and like, you know, you've always had this fucking thing about, like, you know, you've definitely tried to keep some separation there between Candace LeRae, the wrestler, and Candace LeRae, Johnny Gargano's wife. Okay. And now you're just making Candace LeRae a heel to defend her husband after she was working a baby face earlier? What the fuck? Yeah, which again, it just seems like they misplaced where the heel and face like polarization or like where they should have been, where they should have stayed during that entire feud. And again, to me, it just comes down to why should I feel bad for Tomasa Ciampa after all the fucking things he did to Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae? Right, right. Why shouldn't I feel like, you know what? Actually, that was cool that Candice fucking tricked this dumbass again and then kicked him in the dick when he wasn't looking. Fuck him. Right, it feels like they just missed an opportunity, which stinks, and I like, I don't know where they're going to go from that, but I guess like, we're going to have to see when they start putting them in storylines again, both of them, elsewhere, hopefully never against each other, ever again. But I feel like it they've kind of made it so they like... have to now, because how the fuck can't they? Like, you're really going to make this be the fucking ending? Yeah, I honestly don't know. We, we have talked way too much about this part at length. Like, we don't know where this is going to go. It is obviously very, very much a muddled mess. I, But that's pretty like, much NXT this, in general, though. This mm-hmm. feud's functionally been going on for three years. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has been. And it seemed okay until they had the issue where, like, Tommaso Ciampa started seeming like he might have been a good guy after he got injured and things like that. But, yeah, I, I'm just... It just feels like very bad booking and... I guess I, NXT's going to have a normal card next week then, right? I mean, that's that's presumably... Hey, if they can tape on Friday! Yeah, uh, so that's like the biggest thing that confuses me here. It's like, uh, okay, so where the hell are you going from here for anything in this regard? I just feel like NXT kind of has no main event scene anymore other than like Gargano, Ciampa, and Adam Cole. 
And yeah. Velveteen like, Dream. Clearly, mm-hmm. but clearly they're not ready to pull the trigger on Dream winning the belt. I mean, that's the that's the match that they're building to right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I, but he, okay. But then when Dream wins, is he just going to go in this endless loop of fighting Gargano, Champa, and fucking Cole? Like, they're main, this is the weakest the main event scene in NXT, I think, has ever been. Mm-hmm. And I'm including the era when they called up, like, Balor, Owens, like, all those guys within a few months. Yeah, but they had, like, people waiting in the wings that were already, like, well-known independent superstars waiting yeah. to fill well, their place. Well, but also they had waiting in the wings. They're like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to fucking elevate DIY, AOP, you know, they... I, exactly. Though. Yeah, that's, like, the people that they could, I guess they at. could elevate right now are like, well, I guess you could put Damien Priest against Velveteen Dream. Right. I and... guess you could do Killian Dane. It just doesn't seem like it's in a good position. Which, Maybe a Tyler Breeze rematch? Yeah. I, I guess we'll find out next week if we even are talking about NXT. If we're not talking about it in the show, you can pretty much assume it wasn't good. Yeah, so, probably. Because yeah. I'm assuming it's not going to be very good. Because, you know what? I'm going to throw it out there. I was real disappointed in this fucking show. Mm-hmm. It does not sound like it ended well at all. And if you spend the entire final hour on this, you done screwed up. Yeah. So, Important question. Yes, yeah. Oscar. Is this the worst takeover? I mean, I feel like since they didn't even really call it a takeover on the episode itself, I, you know what, like, you know, they started with the branding on Monday, but then I feel like they pulled back for this episode. I feel like they kind of knew. That kind of, yeah, good telegraphing. So what you're saying is no one's going to be sending Triple H a fruit basket for this. I'd like to hope not. (laughs) Because so, you know what, Triple H, like I said, one last beat, this is the fucking Rise of the Skywalker of their trilogy of weird matches this week. It's the movie that makes you forget about all the other movies pretty darn quickly. And but then hey, we'll s- always have the Firefly Funhouse. Yep, exactly. That's, uh, you know, it, it was a good one to think about. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about some stuff like uh, the Rogue One of the trilogy, which would be AEW. But AEW's good. Exactly, and Rogue One's good. Mm. You son of okay, a bitch, don't you Okay, if we're going to talk about the Rogue One of AEW, though, then we are going to have to talk about the fact that Oscar, go fuck yourself. Being the Elite is officially a wrestling show. They have yes! actual wrestling matches. Yes! Y- yes! You know what? I'm willing to accept being the Elite being the Rogue One in that it's clearly a thing a lot of people are into i just can't get into it i respect the fact that it exists i just mm-hmm. don't have the time for it i will accept this bit fair enough everybody else and is interested. you know what gary wood is a cool guy big tottenham fan gary wood gets nothing but respect for me okay <laughs> gary wood is not that cool yeah actually gary wood is really not that cool sorry we we had to tell you someday. I've seen his I've seen his Twitch streams. He's awful. Fuck you, After Earth. He <laughs> <laughs> wrote After Earth. He did. Yes, fear is a choice. Also, another, another hot take that I know will be maybe unpopular. <laughs> Book of Eli sucked. Uh, I have never seen Book of Eli, so I thought I had seen Book of Eli. 
until I realized, no, I'd seen the Book of Henry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. That might be even worse, though! <laughs> but that's also very on brand for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's, let's, before we get too far into the Witiverse, let's talk about what happened in BT. So we know from like a previous um, promo or vignette, whatever you want to call it, that happened, I think, on last week's Dynamite, that Nick Jackson has a wrestling ring set up on one of his tennis courts on his big frickin' mansion. But he's also um, only at 61%. He's only at 61%, but, uh, you know, we'll find, he was in a match today, and, you know, or in BT, rather. But he also had friends over. And <coughs> two of those friends were SCU, of the original SCU, uh... Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. And they went up against the biggest jobbers in AEW on BT in the team of Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler. And this was a screwy, messed up match. Being called remotely by Excalibur, who, as we said earlier, probably saw the tape and just called it live on his computer at his home office. Mm-hmm. Um, it was It was a decent jobber squash match, except at the very end... The legal man pinned the illegal man, and the illegal man from SCU pinned the legal man. And Rick Knox, who's there refing, again, all the friends are over at the, you know, Bucks compound, I guess, counts them both as a pin and says, you both lost. (laughs) Which, that's not how wrestling works. You legal man has to pin the legal man. Illegal cannot pin. They can assist, maybe, sometimes, but... They... They're going by lucha rules. It was very, very wacky. So... Is this going to count towards the stats? I mean, it is an AEW referee, but it's not an AEW show. I am putting the penalty for losses and taking the loss against um, the uh, legal people in the match at that point. Like, okay. I'm just going to say the pinfalls, it should be... The two legal people in that match should have to get the win, win and loss credit, regardless because, yeah, otherwise, the whole system breaks down and we go spiraling into another dimension, which honestly sounds kind of good because it's probably better in this timeline, but I don't want to find out if it's worse. <laughs> so, and on top of this, we actually had a second match on BT. I'm not joking. This is like a 30-minute BT. It was interesting. Um, actually, not a good BT on its own right, mind you, other than we got to see Prince Presley, but that's... Like, another discussion. Just watch it yourself if you want to so, know. So, wait. What you're saying is that when Being the Elite tries to actually be a wrestling show, it's not a very good wrestling show? Look, what I'm trying to say there's right only now. so much you can do when you have two cameras. One of them is someone just, like, carrying around their phone on a tripod, tripod circling the ring. The other is clearly Matt Jackson standing from a distance holding his phone as the hard cam. Yep. And on top of that, I feel like AEW in general these days is pretty much good team versus jobber. And that's what this all was. So, like, if you want to compare it to the rest of the AEW uh, world at large, it's pretty much on par. Yeah, it was about the same, you know, much worse quality mm-hmm. in terms of just how it looked. But right. in terms of wrestling, that's about the same as what I saw in Dark this week. Yeah, exactly. Arguably, and it was better than what I saw on Dark this week. I would say it was way better than what was on Dark, because Dark was 18 minutes and three crappy-ass matches. 
Um, I was kind of into one of those shitty matches, though. Yeah, that, I mean, they're, they're okay. One of them was pretty good, um, and we'll get into that in just a moment here. Just to wrap this up and put a bow tie on it, the Young Bucks did get back in action together. Nick showed some weakness, but they came together to beat a team called Team High Risk, who are indeed like local independents who used to work for a league called High Risk Wrestling. So that's why they had the name. Two men that the Jackson brothers have tied up in their basement. You know, I almost wonder if the reason they got people involved in this, like all the jobbers, is like they must have put out a tweet or something. Or not tweet, obviously, given it's the Jacksons. But like something out on social media or some channel that said, hey, we got a gym. If anybody wants to use it, that's a wrestler. And we're going to ignore the whole coronavirus, you know, stay-at-home rules. You just got to do a match with us. And this happened. The owners of Rehouse Pizzeria. You know... That's Kenny. Come on. Yeah, and, and that's in Florida. We know that now. That's not Cu- Rancho Cucamonga. Seattle. They're good Christian um, boys. They're good Christian boys. They know nothing about what Kenny's doing, which is why they're trying to forget about what Kenny's doing, because they're good Christian boys. If they don't ask, it didn't happen, and they're not at fault. They they, they just make the pizza. They, they don't make the pizza. That That's um that's those other folks over there that just we're, we just we just walked by it, and we just saw Rio in there, so we came in and say hi. And, uh, we just came by to play some ping pong. Yeah, exactly. And we just went to the basement to see that. And uh, hey, yo. Wait, why is Chase and Rance on the deed for this building? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of AEW Dark. Teddy Cast coming soon. The name, on, the name on the contract does say Rance, but it's Shanes and Rance. I own the company now, Dad. <laughs> Oh, and surprisingly, two years later, it just turns on to a really bad angle where everybody anyway, gets arrested. The only reason I... <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I brought up Dark this week was I wanted to sh- first shout out uh, that, hey, they, they went back in time and, you know, they listened to what you said last week, Trace, and they went back yeah. in time and just decided to start ha- playing with people on commentary. And so at one of the matches that they clearly filmed in Daly's Place a few weeks ago, they had Jimmy yeah. Havoc on commentary. They had Jimmy Havoc on commentary and he was calling, if I check it correctly, it was Kip Sabian up against, uh, who was the other person there? It was Tony Donati. Yeah, Tony Donati. And, yeah. That sounds like a fucking GTA character. It, he kind of, yeah. His music was not great. His look was kind of Italian sleazebag look. I was kind it of was, into his music, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I can see that. But, yeah, so you had Jimmy Havoc on the headset, and they must have had like the knob for him turned up to max, and he was still very quiet and talking about, that's my roommate out there. Yeah, I, I room with him. I've seen him half naked, by the way. And, yeah, he, he's, he's half naked out there. And, yeah, sometimes I like to walk around naked in the apartment, too. Okay, but which half-naked does Kip Sabian walk around in the apartment? That's for me to know and for you to find out, though, Tony. Come on, Oscar, you already know that Kip Sabian's clearly a top-only person. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, 100% true. Like, he needs the super bad quick access. Um, Never mind. Um, We are not going to touch that... I went down that joke road and didn't uh, pump the brakes quickly enough. Uh, moving on. Moving um, on, yeah. moving on, moving on. Pa- bail out, bail out. Let's talk about the worst F10 in history or maybe the best sell in history. I can't decide. Uh, Wardlow was in action, and that's how they branded it. They didn't even give his opponent a rub, probably because his opponent, Ryan Piles, took exactly one move after waiting like five minutes for Wardlow to take off his suit. And Which took- I was into. That was pretty funny. 
It was pretty good. He, he just lets Colin Shottery do all the work. <laughs> and so, yeah, t- talk to me about how you feel about this F10, John. So, basically, he doesn't do, like, you know, look, at least Brock Lesnar will, like, try and guide the person so that it makes it look like they're actually, like, falling. He's just fucking spun and flung the dude, and it just, like, Ryan Piles just, like, fucking sailed through the air and then landed on his fucking knees and then, like, had to basically sell, like, you know, like, oh, no, I laid on my knees and then I hit my head on the man. Oh, I'm holding my chin like it really hurts. Oh, but I need to pretend like I'm dead now so that, like, Wardlow can just kind of stand around confused for, like, ten seconds and then sort of nonchalantly put one foot on me to pin me as if I'm, like, dead for real. So my issues with the match, like, number one, the F10, I understand why they're calling that because he's trying to do more of a spin than Brock does. Brock sets him down safe with, like, a half rotation. Um, if he's yeah, doing he's it trying right. to go for, like, a full rotation here. Yeah, he's trying to fully rotate him and the thrust toss him in the air with a spin, which, great idea in concept. Um, I'm it's like sure he's he... the pizza at Riho's Pizzeria. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and just as legal, this thing doesn't work out so well. Um uh, but no, and I then I thought it was the F10 because it's twice as good as his daddy's. <laughs> well, you know, daddy's going to be disappointed in him because Ryan Piles landed like he was selling a code breaker in New Japan, which basically was complete shit. I almost feel like Wardlow paused it for a minute, and was like, "Should I do that again?" Because that sucked shit. Yeah, that's oh. what I was thinking. I did like, but I did love that they just the fucking camera angle they just cut to of MJF just <laughs> looking like that's what it is. Yep, Fuck exactly. that, dude. Yeah, like, it's like, whatever, well, man. I mean, MJF's looking at like, yep, that looks like CZW shit right there. I remember that. <laughs> He's just having fucking flash, non-flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. I will never bleed again in that way. Oh, my God. shit. Just, just, just pin him, just pin him, just pin him. Otherwise, come back. I don't, no, no, don't hit me, Axel. Don't hit me, Axel. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it was a weird match. Um, not really a match at all, but funny to see Wardlow do that and yeah kind of the worst f10 but at the same time i get the feeling we're gonna see a lot of f10s like this in the future oh man i know but yeah there's three matches in total lee johnson faces qt marshall oh right and let me say one thing if you need me to tell you about a lee johnson versus qt marshall match just go watch it yourself it's like five minutes Lee Marshall's a student of QT, or Lee yeah. Johnson is a student of QT Marshall. I see what you Aren't did there, calling jobbers? him Lee Marshall. Yeah, they're both jobbers, but QT Marshall's actually a trainer, at least, so. And he's a jobber because he's past his prime and in, was injured in his prime. And they very much told the story with that match of, yeah, like, you know, oh, yeah, no, it's a, the the trainer versus the student. Mm-hmm. Which and it was, is all you need to know. And it was a very basic match, and I feel like, in that regard. Yep. So, with that said... That's BT. That's dark. We have a third AEW show. It's called Dynamite. And with Ooh, Dynamite, because... Yeah, exactly. We're going out tonight to play with Dynamite, to pick out every light, to burn out... I don't know. Baby, um, you're a firework. Wait, sorry. It's Whoa. my life in a box that I'm shown to be! <laughs> Dynamite! It starts with one day! <laughs> I don't know why doesn't even matter how hard I try. Um, let's play can't a game, get any more than You can't get over a million people in a week anymore. <laughs> I tried so hard, it got so far. But <laughs> in, in the, the end, end, coronavirus and NXT cross-fucking-stealing cross our audience. 
Yup. With that in mind, AEW Dynamite's been sucking as of late, so it's time once again to play our favorite game. It's AEW Dynamite. Do you care? And we yep. begin with the one time where I always pull us away from that very game I just promised us and say, hey, y'all, Jake Roberts, he's been sequestered in hotel room, sure, but he's still cutting some really good promos. He talks about basically fighting Lance Archer is akin to suicide. If you're Ooh. stepping in the ring with him, you know what's going to happen. It's like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. It's, you know, that sort of thing. It's like kneeling down in front of a speeding train. You know what's going to happen, and you're accepting it if you step in there with him. Which, speaking of, hey, Cody, are you just going to lose the first round because you don't want to face him? Because I totally get you do that. That seems like a very Cody thing to do. Hey. And so basically then we get our first question here. Oh, before you go into that, though, I do have one question. Uh, Yes. Did they show that promo on Dynamite? They did not show the promo you're talking about on Dynamite, no. I feel like we should talk about that promo because holy good I- shit. Good idea. So Cody also cut a fire promo this week. And it was, I think, part of probably the Road 2 videos. I'm not sure, though. No, it, it was its own video. I, I didn't know if they cut it out of that or if it was just something they did separately. Uh, I watched the Road 2 video. The Road 2 video didn't have any of that. Okay, gotcha. I think it was so- just a thing that they did separately. So yeah, enter this dark room with Cody smoking probably one of his American Rebel cigars and talking about the TNT Championship Tournament. And I feel like this is, John, a return to the Cody that sees something someone else can have, but he wants it. And so he's going to get it. And so he needs it. Yep. They all want it. I need it. Which that is the most... Cody-ass attitude about anything. He's a Rhodes. He needs it. That's what he does. Which is also kind of a heel thing for him. Honestly. Like, it's the thing I was, you know, saying to you guys before. It's like, it's kind of fucking amazing to me watching this promo and and realizing that, like, the top baby face in maybe the entire American wrestling industry Mm -hmm. is a fucking guy who wears nothing but suits Mm -hmm. and smokes cigars and mm-hmm. sits around and cuts these weird fucking, like, dark room promos where he's just slowly smoking a cigar and explaining how he fucking needs this title and nobody, none of these other people are on his level, except for maybe two of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like... Fucking he, won't even talk about that Lance Archer. He literally says, it's like, I have no comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I won't comment further. Him. Yeah. And Which does maybe suggest maybe he is scared of him. Yeah, that's the thing that's interesting. It's like, he's either super dismissive, naive, or scared. And it's an interesting promo. I don't know if we can do it much more justice other than to say that Cody, as always, is just cutting these incredible promos. And he just absolutely knocks down everybody else in tournament except Lance Archer. Yep, and, and it's just so brilliant how he does it. Well, he doesn't knock down on Dustin, essentially. Right, he doesn't. Like, he the says, way that I don't he talks want... about it, yeah, it's like, I don't ever want to go through double or nothing again. Right, he just basically I mean, says, I want him to lose before then because I don't want to have to face him. And I will have to if I want the title. He kind of knocks down Lance Archer. Kind of, yeah, but it's like very, very abrupt and then he moves on. And also, I while mean, taking a definitely... shot at New Japan... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which he talks about the IWGP US Championship being about as valuable as the ashtray in front of him, which I will say, accurate. Like, 
That title just gets thrown around. Juice Robinson's going to hold on to it for an eternity until they get the U.S. Young Lions up to par, and then uh, it'll be... Hold on a second there, player. Who's the United States champion again? Oh, right. It's uh, the AEW uh, champion, turns out. Yeah, that's right. Oh, right. That's right. Whoopsies. I forgot they kept it on a Moxley. That is a stupid idea that they did there, and they're never going to get it back. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> Sorry. They're, they're going to have to open the forbidden door to get that one back, aren't they? They might or have strip, to. Or they'll have to strip him. Yeah, they Either way, will do that. they'll probably strip him. That's what's going to happen. But regardless, yeah, it, it's meant to be a title that... He's was just going to drop it to fellow New Japan talent, John Moxley. Sorry, Chris Jericho. No, you know who it's going to actually get legitimately dropped to, and this is like not me being jokey about it. They're just going to give it to Switchblade. Oh, I was thinking. I was thinking they'd just give it back to Juice, because it will eternally be the Juice belt. Oh, but, you know, Gato loves his dusty chases. Give it to Switchblade. Like, have Juice chase him forever, trying to get the belt back. Never happens. Yeah, okay. But this way... This way, Switchblade can have a match in AEW. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'd be great. I, I love having American versus American matches. He'll show up. He'll show up at least once every four weeks just to make sure he stays on your rankings. Note to self, cancel my New Japan Pro Wrestling World subscription. The Idiot's Guide to New Japan, coming never. Yeah. <laughs> because New Japan's never coming back at this point, it seems like. Look, the point of my bringing this up was to all say... Only the women may die, John! <laughs> well, Stardom, not, Stardom canceled their shows, too, now, so... Hey! Everybody seems hey. like they've learned their lesson. Anyway, the point of my bringing this up was to say that, look, this Cody promo was fucking awesome, Cody's mm. the best in it, and it really does stand out to me, and it is incredible to me, just how, like, you watch this promo, like... You can look at it, for, like you said, Trace, you can look at it from whatever lens you want. You can look at this as, like, a total babyface promo. You can look at this as a dirtbag, fucking smarmy-ass, like, entitled heel promo. And mm-hmm. they both work. Yep, they totally do. And, you know, it, it's... Cody is really good, but it's straddling that line. And I feel like he's very adamant about the idea that there are no faces and heels anymore in AEW. They're just personalities. And they clash. And the crowd chooses. And right now... They're choosing face for Cody because these promos are fucking awesome. So, that said, shall we get back into the game? Yeah. All right. <gasps> After all this talk about it, Lance Archer destroys a jobber. Do you care? Sure. It's Alan Angels. Um, I never heard of him. They'd actually give him a title card anywhere, so I had to look him up on uh, the internet. They they said his name on comments. They said his name, but they didn't spell it out or anything. There wasn't, like, text, so I literally had to look him up and find his Twitter profile to figure out what the spelling of his name is. He's a bar wrestling guy. And the best move in this match is Lance Archer putting him in the goozle for chokeslam and then flinging him backwards like a reverse chokeslam. Flinging him across the ring. With like a look last week, last week Lance Archer killed fucking Marco Stunt. Mm-hmm. This week he's killing angels instead. He is. I mean, it's like he's out there to kill angels. Maybe do we know any? And through it all, mm-hmm. Jake Roberts offers him temptation. Oh my God, we're gonna go. I could see this actually going biblical paths with Lance Archer. I mean, the guy only has crosses on a hill on the back of his freaking lower back. Um, so I can see that. But yeah, it, it was a very short match. Um, Lance didn't do much. It was basically the, he, he clobbered the jobber as soon as he got in the ring, hadn't even taken his jacket off, goes up to the corner and, um, 
and then unzips his jacket and finishes the match. Um, but yeah, it was very simple, but it gets the point across. He is steamrolling everybody. He's ready for next week. Um, somebody's going to die next week. Someone will die next week. I mean, that's good because everybody dies. Yeah. Um, this is going to be the thing. If if this TNT Championship tournament does not end with Cody versus Lance Archer, they done fucked up. Cause There's 8 million ways to die. He's 7.9. Yeah, apparently, because uh, the other one's on the shelf doing glow. And, yeah, but no, it, Dustin's going to die next week, I think. Is it Dustin or is it... You've, I'm sorry, it's not Dustin. It's, um... It's, it's actually Dusty, it's surprisingly. It's Cole, Cole that's right. That's right. Um, thank you for that. I couldn't remember. Yeah, they had, because last week they Kip had Lance Archer screaming at Cole on a commentary, while he was on commentary about how he was going to kill him. Yeah, so spoilers in Perfect Bracket, although it's already been spoiled if uh, you watched tonight. Um, yeah, Dustin's going to win his side. Colt's going to get killed. And then Lance is going to kill Dustin en route to the championship, giving Cody a revenge angle. As you do. Yeah, I mean, as you do. This is the most blatantly plotted out tournament you could have, which is fine, because nobody's also, watching. You know, Lance Archer should win the title. He should. He I should. 100% and I bet agree. he will. I think he should. And he will, probably. Moving on, Dr. Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida finally fought. Do you care? Yes, because of one thing that happened during this match that fucking ruled. Regardless, you should care anyways. This was a fantastic match. The best match yes. Britt Baker has had. She's apparently been doing some training because she did proper heel work in this match. It was good. Britt Baker is one of, I think, the strongest contenders this year for most improved. I would agree. This She actually didn't really botch anything. She had great mannerisms in the ring. She looked the, very the dubious. The character's working. The ring work's finally mm-hmm. there. Yep. She kept screaming out at Tony every now and then, like, call more of my stuff, Tony. Hey, Tony, tell the ref this is illegal. And so <laughs> on. And then the spot I think you're referring to happened, which just made this all sell actually way better than it probably was intended to. She broke her fucking nose. Broke her fucking nose. Blood everywhere. She's just covered in blood all over her face, and she's smiling like the creepiest little fucker this side of The Shining. Isn't this, like, the second time that, like, Britt Baker's gotten her nose broken in a match, too? It might have been, but not quite this bad. This was a real nasty... She had blood all over. This this was, like, Becky Lynch. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, like, this is the little, like, you know, I didn't watch Dynamite this week for the most mm-hmm. part, because uh, I was busy watching, you know, TakeOver, but, like, I did watch this match a little bit, mm-hmm. and I did see the blood, and I was like, oh, fuck! Yeah, it was even to the point where they started working some of the spots around just both Hikaru Shida's hesitance to mess with the blood, which actually does play into her character, because she's had hesitance with, like, stuff that doesn't involve the wrestling in the ring, see that creepy, like ghost girl she had to fight in dark the one time and yeah then also dr Britt baker trying to apply her lock asking for one of the gloves the ref had put on to deal with the blood on her face because she was gonna rip and because of coronavirus concerns she was gonna use the glove to rip into her car jaw and that led to some reversals and some good thoughtfulness kind of on the fly like that which was smart on both their parts they did a great job with that um, Hikaru Shida, of course, 
finished it with a gnarly knee strike slash leg strike into uh, Britt Baker's face. And that was that. She wins. Continues to be number one contender. Hooray! It, it's it's a great match. Definitely my favorite of the night. Was it the right call, you think, to have uh, Sheeta win? Yes, absolutely. I don't think... I think Baker has plenty of reasons still to feel good about this match. She she definitely could have been put over, but this didn't hurt her at all. She can whine about the fact that Hikaru Shida is a brute is way too brutal, perhaps over the line with breaking her nose and making her bleed all over, and a danger in the ring. And so Shall you I? have a future feud there to bounce right back. And yeah, otherwise, Britt Baker was real close to beating her in a lot of spots here, so it was solid overall. Very cool. And again, I think the imagery of her covered in blood is going to do more for Britt Baker than a victory in the long run would have. Yeah, I think she's solidified as a heel now. I don't think... She's going back to being a face for a long time at this point. Like, no reason for it. And she is damn good as a heel. Hell and yeah. A little bit, now a little bit of the psychotic edge going there. So, yeah, I'm, I was perfectly happy with this. And I am pleasantly surprised that she did not shit the bed in the ring. Fuck yeah. What else so, happened? So, what else happened? Uh, Hager and Moxie had another promo. I'm going to answer this for you. You don't care. You're right. I don't. Um, it was terrible. It was just them trying to sell this match next week in an empty arena. Um, cool. It I, seemed like there was a lot of promo stuff from the little bit I, I saw out of the corner of my eye this week. It, it went on for a long time, and then they did a second one that was basically a rehash of the first. It was a waste of time. They are just trying to basically stretch. It was unnecessary. We already know everything they had to say there. It introduced nothing new other than Hager had a MMA camp, and now... That got canceled due to the coronavirus, so he's focusing it all on Moxley instead. Whoop-de-freaking-do. I don't care. Just have the match, because if Hager wins, it's a disaster. Moxley's going to win. Yeah. So, moving on from that. Kenny Omega and Michael Naka. Naka. Nakazawa. Sorry for being loud there. I just had to get that through. Are fighting the best friends for their tag team name. Because they're also best friends. Do you care? What? Why? Yes. Because they're coming. Like Kenny Omega was in the trailer saying, "Hey, we should have a tag team name because you know we're we've actually been a tag team in DDT." Also true. And Naka's like, "Well, you and I are best friends, so we should be best friends." And Kenny's like, "That's okay, but there's already a best friends team." And Michael's like, "Well, but you're an EVP. You can take that away from them, you know." And as soon as he does that, Orange Cassidy walks out of the trailer bathroom and just glares at them. <laughs> and then opens a trailer door to reveal that Chuck Taylor and Trent were just outside the whole time. Trent reveals they heard the whole thing. And they're going to put their name on the line. I will say that they they did one spot during this match that I teased a match that's like, I didn't even know I needed this. Yeah, Orange Cassidy and Michael Nakazawa. I'd watch the shit out of that match. Look, this match was better than it had any right to be. Okay, fair enough. Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa were doing all their old DDT pro shit. Like, all the cornball shit in the ring with the best friends who they all have great chemistry with anyways because, like I'd like to bring up any time they're fighting each other, Kenny Omega and Chuck Taylor used to be a PWG tag team, the men of low moral fiber. 
they uh, harassed and probably killed a man known as El Generico. And, yeah, they had a great match against each other. Um, Chuck Taylor, bane of ki- children everywhere. Yes, bane of children everywhere. Didn't have any to scream at here. Um, unfortunate. Uh, uh, very unfortunate. I think he should scream at more kids. Instead, he just screams at his own dog. Um, but, yeah, there, there was some good, some decent baby oil spots that weren't, like, the overdone crap they've done before. Um, a lot of, like, wheelbarrowing and running chuck and trent's groins into ring posts things of that nature um very very frantic match and probably not helped by something i'm going to take a little detour to mention um chris jericho was color commentary this week and he's not bad but he's very loud very pervasive and very frantic i'll be honest i thought jericho was perfectly cromulent he's probably cromulent but I think my heart rate went up by like 30 beats a minute listening to him the whole time because he just was like a mile a minute. He's If Excalibur, JR, and Tony together are like playing a Counter-Strike, this would be like playing watching somebody play StarCraft II with like 300 APM, which it's fine. It's certainly watchable, but holy crap, there's a lot going on. So that kind of made it feel even more frantic. But, yeah, otherwise, Chris wasn't bad as commentary. He just had a situation where he just kept talking and kept talking and kept talking. Went and in full the end, on Clint Bobsky with it, in other words. Yeah, he was... Oh, you could hear Clint Bobsky, like, shining through his commentary here, too. Like, there was very much a very, very Bobsky accent here. <laughs> so, I mean, his New Yorker was coming out. Anyways, uh, the best friends did the strong zero to Naka, um, Nakazawa, because of course they would. They can't beat Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega can't use Nakazawa to put the best friends in a deeper hole. So, yeah, best friends keep their name, beat Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa, and I'm sure something more is going to come of this. Hopefully it's Nakazawa and Orange Cassidy. Yeah, I want that. Yeah. Good match. Um, a lot of good opportunities there. Um, didn't know I needed it. Moving forward, Brody Lee had another promo, and then he beat up a jobber. Again. Kind of into Brody. I don't... I'm not going to say I care, but I am I do want to know what what are they doing with, with this weird Vince McMahon character now? Is he still Oscar, totally Vince? Oscar, tell me about this promo this week. Um just yelled at a bunch of he just i don't know what he did this week so like I, I'll, he I'll, yelled at a bunch of dudes they showed that the guy's thing was wrinkly and then my dad called me to talk about drag race okay so i will fill you in on this what happened was one of the guys was wrinkled and they were just wearing the normal bodysuit of the dark order so was another guy just wearing a dusty tattered version of the dark order suit that person had a dress shirt and tie on and so it was a case of you know, Brody Lee just yelled at two that weren't really. They were looking to take a quick exit ramp, often to, you know, basically nothingness, and, you know, just they, they're not looking to advance in this world. Now that guy, he is. I have an opportunity for a dress shirt guy. Was he and also wearing the creeper mask while wearing the the whole suit? He sure as hell was. Yes. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, they all were in creeper masks. To be also. Clear. 
okay, so he's demanding that everybody wear a suit. Yeah, no, he's still being Vince. Okay. Yeah, this is a very Vince McMahon thing about, like, everybody has to wear a suit and tie around me and be formally dressed because we have to go in there looking like professionals. Um, yeah, it it's still Vince. It's, it's still Voodoo Kin Mafia to me. Um, yeah. I don't know about this. I mean, the match itself that he was in, that was fine. Um, he beat up a jobber pretty handily, made it look good. Um, As you do. But yeah, yeah, otherwise, I'm still hesitant that this is too Vince McMahon-like. Yeah. I, I don't know, though. It's... it's I'm I'm waiting to see what they do with Brody outside of once they can start properly wrestling in front of crowds again. What happens? Because he came in at like the worst time for this. Yeah, like this is the a bad time to be having a character whose whole thing is that you're a cult leader. Yeah, exactly. That you need to be like convincing people of things and like playing to crowds and things. Like this is very much like, yeah. And, I mean, hear me out. Yeah. What if they just go completely low class with it and make him an Alex Jonesy conspiracy theorist? Honestly, I think that'd be okay. an improvement over what they're doing right now. I think if they went like, that direction, but they also need to... What I think they really need to reinforce here, this is my biggest problem with this still, I'm going to just go right back to the saw again. They need to make sure it's very clear that Brody Lee fulfills his promise that if you do not open the door when we knock, I will kick down that door and I will let the Dark Order in. I will lead them in. Like, there's been no cases yet where he's been any sort of threat other than to his own people. And he's got to make that move at some point. So I don't know if it's just a long play, waiting for crowds again to do something, or if they just don't know what they want to put with the Dark Order. Like... Maybe. I mean, weren't they weren't they teasing a Dark Order elite feud? They were. They were teasing the way that they could dismantle the elite by getting all their friends, Michael Nakazawa, Brandon Cutler, and start using them to get further into the inroads of the elite. Which and is why, I was, kinda, yeah, then they kind of just dropped that for blood and guts, right? Which is what why I, I was. What I will say, mm-hmm. what I will say is that it feels like. As much as I'm kind of getting into this weird Brody character, Mm -hmm. it feels like now that Brody is here, they have dropped everything that was making the Dark Order interesting. They've dropped the weird Scientology shit. They have dropped the dismantling of the elite. They've dropped fucking Evil Uno. Yeah, they have. And it's like, I don't get that part of it. I feel like... And, And again... The timing could not be worse for this because I'm sure there's some people who are just trapped and not able to make the events because of their location. But I, I sincerely feel like this is kind of a bad road once again for the Dark Order. And they're going to need to rebound when the crowds come back. They, they yeah. need to go back to what they were. So from what I'm understanding, mm-hmm. I, my timeline might be off here, but okay. um, from what I understand... They Jericho had told Tony Khan, you have to get Brody Lee after they had started the Dark Order Scientology thing. Okay, I, I wasn't aware of this timeline, so... Well, I'm just trying to think of the timeline of when Brody Lee's contract was like actually coming up and it seemed like a viable thing that he would leave. I think that was just basically... It was almost guaranteed he was going to leave after like 
the one re-debut he had in WWE that he just vanished right again. It was just a matter of when does his contract expire? And they had people who but could it, talk to him at that point. Like Sammy Guevara was at an event with him at a hockey arena and totally could have talked to him, gotten some feelers out. Well, because I know that he was saying on... I know that... I think it was Brody saying on Talk is Jericho or that it was said on Talk is Jericho that Jericho's the one that told Tony Khan, you have to go for this guy. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he knows me Brody... Yet probably better than most people um, on the roster. But I wonder if he was even ever... I, I, I doubt that the Dark Order stuff when they started the Scientology thing ever had Brody Lee in mind. It probably until... didn't. Um, it was just a case of that's the best fit for him at this point because, you know, the, the whole Scientology thing was especially strong coming from where it was. And yeah, like the thing I had heard was basically that like the idea was always that Brody was going to be the exalted one. But Mm -hmm. that is still the question of when did they come up with the idea of the exalted one? Right, exactly. And that we're still not sure about the timing that probably won't know for a while. I feel I could could be wrong. though. I just say I don't know where we're going with this just yet. I just I hope there's a long play here because frankly, before this all happened, you could have told me that Blood and Guts would be the Dark Order versus the Elite, and I would have believed that actually to be a little bit better than what we have right now. But I mean, I still think the Dark Order versus the Elite, especially now that there's like a credible fifth member. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it would be make sense, and you have two guys in the back that totally could get jobbed out. You have... You know, Nick Jackson on the Elite, who's injured as hell. But, you know, I mean, obviously they've kind of changed those plot lines around confusingly. And I'm not sh- Again, I have nothing more to add to that other than I don't know what they're going to do with the Dark Order at this point. Who they're going against. Because it doesn't seem like anything they go against is going to be good, per se. Also, this is kind of completely unrelated, but... okay. Man, these last few weeks have just shown how much AEW is missing Hangman Page. Yeah, and Hangman flat out, and to his credit, refuses to leave his house, basically. And was sequestering himself, saying, stay the hell at home. And I respect that. I think everybody should. Yeah. Honestly, he's been cutting some of the best promos from home, anyways. Did a whole reenactment of the AEW Dynamite intro of him just lounging about his house. With complete with color funny. dynamite explosions. It's very good. It's extremely good. Probably one of my. F- he is. He's turned into a good comrade. So I'm very happy for him. He's the best thing the show has going. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear that. Yo. As I said, like, they fucking need Adam Page back. There's a lot of people they need back, though, too. They need Proud and Powerful back, of all things. Yeah. They need a bunch of New Yorkers. They need Private Party back. They need people they can work with. But all the people they have they can work with are either in hot zones or otherwise unable to travel. So this is the biggest test for them on working with a very limited roster. Having to have that roster work against basically every iteration of possible matchup and hoping that it's enough to last them until they can get back to the good matches they can have. And it's been very awkward to watch this. And to its credit, I will say this. I'm glad we don't have, or we haven't had to any large extent, a powerhouse versus, you know, or the squash match dynamic um, 
up until the coronavirus hit. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. if we had the squash match at a this kind of rate where every week had one squash match or something like that, and obviously we've gotten a lot more these days, but if we had that, this would be miserable. Man. You know, right now this feels like what a lot of people feared yeah. AEW was going to be. This is what people thought it was going to be from the get-go. And they proved otherwise, and now they're having to revert to, well, this is what we would have had if we had very limited talent and stuff like that. So, I think we mentioned this on another episode, yeah. but they are lucky that they signed their deal when they did. They are very lucky. For... I mean, if they had signed it during this period of time, they'd be screwed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Positively. Like, they would need so many debuts and things to go their way. Um, <clears throat> they would have probably had to just go on hiatus completely. Completely, probably, yeah. I mean, it would just be a case of we're going to relaunch after this is all blown over and just save money. Um, that said, um, AEW, the Big Bang. Eh, speaking of Big Bangs, we had the start of the TNT Championship Tournament. The quarterfinals begin with Sean Spears versus the American Nightmare Cody. Do you care? I wish I did, but not really. It was a basic, we're jobbing out Sean Spears' match because Cody has to move on. They used a bunch of chairs, or they used the distraction of a chair, they used the distraction of brandy, they used the distraction of a table and some railing. And in the end, Cody hulked up from a table spot to deliver two crossroads in a row and then managed to hit a figure four on an exposed knee or lock in a figure four on an exposed knee so hard that it caused Sean Spears to tremble with his shoulders down on the mat and be unable to get up for a three. Interesting Dang. finish. Huh. Um, but also, like... It's been a long time since I've seen a figure four pin. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like It was a legitimate figure four pin, and it, they, it wasn't like out of nowhere or anything like that. It was... The out of nowhere was the two crossroads after being put through a table and barely making it in on a ten count. But... Otherwise, it's a Cody-ass match. And we're going to see more of that, probably. We're probably going to see a Cody-Darby run back here, and that'll be interesting. Especially if Darby wins. But, yeah, that's uh, that's AEW Dynamite right there. So, kind of, a, kind of an okay show, but also, it's, again, as we just mentioned, we are starting to see the weaknesses of what happens when a sort of not fully stood up promotion, yes, a year old, but like they don't have the depth they need and they're still trying to exist week by week. This happens. They're going to make it through. No problem. They have the ability to very handily. They got the money. Certainly they sure do. They've got more money to work with. I won't say that necessarily the deals WB has kind of, negate that but they're certainly going to survive no matter what it's just it's going to suck for a while as it has the last few weeks but there will be good spots and i hope you'll enjoy them with us but that's AEW dynamite that's our show but elsewhere in the network stuff is still happening wrestling is still happening so we can't stop john you did some patreon content for wrestlemania with owen 
We sure did. Uh, Owen and I, as we discussed earlier, we reviewed WrestleMania Too Big for Just One Night. Uh, night one and night two reviews are up on the Patreon over at patreon.cool or patreon.com slash PWC uh, for just uh, $5 over at the $5 tier. You get that and all our other uh, pay-per-view reviews and other cool podcasts that we do. And then next week, I who knows? If we get wrestling next week, very likely for AEW, who knows for NXT, we're... We'll try to get a show together, as always. If wrestling for some reason doesn't happen, unlikely again, because stuff's been taped. Yeah, like, um, clearly, so, yeah, basically what it comes down to here is, I don't know what's happening with Heel Turn. Like, mm-hmm. oh, as we, t- we talked about on the Mothership on uh, Monday's episode, uh, Heel Turn, the current plan for Heel Turn was... Th- Owen is going to take a hiatus as we try and figure out what the fuck is going on with everything. Cause like if they're just going to be, you know, cause basically the idea was if they're just going to be doing raw and SmackDown, like they've been doing it for the past several weeks of just showing old matches, like mm-hmm. what the fuck are we doing a weekly show for? So right, exactly. But if they're, if they're actually going to be able to fucking tape again and they're going to try and do this shit, well, maybe heel turn will be back. Who knows? Maybe, Maybe we'll have Owen show up here on Wednesdays to, like, give a fucking, like, dispatches from Vince Land before we get rid of him. And yeah, for, I mean, like, if we need to give him, like, here. yeah, if we need to give him five minutes to ask us what we saw about Raw and SmackDown and tell him we don't watch that shit, um, I'm all for it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, heel alternative, like, no matter what happens, I have said it very clearly here. If there's nothing going on in wrestling because of the pandemic... I will flat out just open up American Truck Simulator and I'll start driving it on stream while we just chat about wrestling in general or life. Yeah. I don't give a shit. The alternative, we don't stop for nothing. Because we're all remote anyway, well, so we're socially distanced. We stop for the holidays. Uh, yeah, well. So what it sounds like you're saying is we should just record best and worst of now while we all have the free time and it's not like there's going to be more wrestling this year. Will Ospreay, breast wrestler of 2020, stop me. Did he have any matches this year? Be a Priestly, yes. Was that match... He was that match any good? That, uh, he, well, for one, he was announced in that match as B Priestly's girlfriend. He was. That is completely true. And she he did it. have the response when, when the announcer lady say, said that of, if she plays her cards right. So, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think I might be on board with this, finally. I mean, considering there is no other nominee, I'm happy to give it to Will Ospreay by default. It's his redemption year at long last. <laughs> the year where nothing happened, we give it to him just because. It's the year where Trace gets what he wants because he's being a big jerk and big baby about 2019. Hell yes. But yeah. It's okay. I'm, I, I know where I'm going to be a big jerk and a big baby this year. Where is that, Oscar? Or keep your cards close to yourself. I'm chest. keeping my cards close to my chest i just want you to know i have practiced i have practiced this argument in the mirror for months now i have pages citing precedent okay so i'm just gonna say right now i'm um, I'm now going to the to the fucking document because i need to know uh, it's not necessarily in well maybe it is i don't know but um i'm just gonna put it out there uh yeah um bt is still a wrestling show uh, that is part of my precedent <laughs> I am citing. I knew I knew exactly the city you rehearsed this. It's like you're gonna you're gonna really try and go at it this time. Okay. You're you're just so angry that we didn't acknowledge Billy Corgan. <laughs> uh, 
I, this actually I'm excited to hear about. But yeah, so I knew I figured it out. We have we don't know what our plans are. A lot of this is going to be fly by night. So um, those of you listening, I know this has been a long one because we've talked about a lot of stuff and just as we do. But you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna try and just plan it out as it happens, as the world happens. I'm sure you'll kind of know based on how wrestling's going how we'll be, but. Something will be here every Wednesday because we're socially distanced and we're the alternative. So, ain't nothing stopping the alternative from wrestling. Like, we have the alternative of wrestling itself. We'll do it. I have officially changed my title from Social Justice Ultimate Warrior to Social Distancing Ultimate Warrior. That's good. That's a good name. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) So, I just want to say, holy shit, dot bullshit moment is going to be already shaping up to be a giant fucking category yeah um and i feel like there's still more we can add if that raw shit is true yo we got nine months left in the year this is it's gonna be a cluster for that category again i can't believe the same way that like last year it seemed like yeah, there's like the I can't believe that like last year the end zone cash shit didn't even wind up being like the fifth worst thing. Yeah, uh, I mean that's just how bad last year was in some spots. But and the same way I'm looking at this, I can't believe that fucking the Santina Morella coming back with the fucking Billy and Chuck theme is like barely notable anymore. Yeah, I mean it's bad, but like. Yeah, I'm I'm tempted to even say that I don't even think the Tessa Blanchard saga is going to hang this year anymore. It may not. We'll see. It's gonna it's gonna be a wild Corona, year. No, no, I don't know if I want to go that far, but yeah, coronavirus is officially worse than Tessa Blanchard. I mean, yeah, definitely. Jesus, that's the that's the coldest I mean, take you could possibly sake, drop man, on Tessa us. Tessa Blanchard hasn't killed anyone with the racism that we know of. I, I, I mean, certainly not as many. She's not killed 1% of the population. Yet. Give her time. I, I mean, Wait, look, Tessa Blanchard if she wants to... Three? <laughs> Oscar, let's get off this topic and ask, where can we find you in the world? Uh, Osaga the Great on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and the ENG.1966 at yahoo.ca on PayPal. Pay the man. Hey, the man. John, how about you? Where can we find you? I've been John Garretsky Maxwell. You find me a whole myriad of places on the internet, including Twitter at IamJohnGM, Instagram at IamJohnGM, Twitch at Video underscore Shames, and of course, if you want to give me money, Venmo at IamJohn. Pay the man. Pay the man. I like how we overlap there. It's actually sounding very 90s there. I like it. And I've been Trace Evans, uh, your host this week, uh, just because, yo, this week's been something. The world is a fuck, and so am I. Yeah, I didn't I even get a chance to go through all my, like, meme uh making fun of AEW and NXT's feuds to the tune of Bernie and Biden tweets, and that's probably for the best. I just wanted to fuck off and not have to host a show and just drink some White Claws, okay? No, you're totally fine. This no, is No, I know. Fine. I'm yelling I can... at the internet. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm sorry, John. I hope that you can see that even though I support AEW and didn't support your show of NXT this week, I am both a fan of yours and NXT's, and I consider myself an ally for you and the cause that NXT represented. Don't. I know that you may not think that's true, but I believe it. Don't. Don't. Don't support NXT. <laughs> don't. Not after this week. Not after what they did. 
<laughs> is is NXT Joe Biden? That's um, I was actually in this case saying like NXT was Bernie because they're getting stomped and oh Biden. no. I, and obviously, it's not completely true at all because like AEW is a cool shit one. And it's actually winning, so fuck that shit, fuck look, that role. But look, Joe Biden is the news. AEW is Bernie Sanders, and NXT is Pete Buttigieg. You know what? I'm okay with this. Let's go with that. That makes me feel a lot better, actually. And if you want to, I don't know. Triple H doesn't have much of a rat face. Really? I don't know. I think Vince says he has a bit of a rat face. I was thinking, I don't know, I could see NXT being Amy Klobuchar. (laughs) We'll just throw a stapler at your fucking head. Do you like this? Does this make you happy? What will we do to make you watch this again? NXT is Kamala Harris. She'll arrest you? Yeah, she's a cop. It has has name recognition, but also... Triple H is a cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. name recognition, and you're going to jail. Yeah, Iron Cross and all that. Yep, that makes sense. I'm Trace Evans. I am at PSEG on Twitter. Um, follow me there if you want to see me tweet about when I'm about to stream, which is at twitch.tv slash peaceegg. That's P-E-A-C-E-G-G. If we ever run short on this show, I'll do American Truck Simulator afterwards. Um, otherwise, Fortnite on Thursdays. Forts are usually on Fridays. And wild cards on Monday and Tuesday, provided I don't, like, melt down my kitchen or something like that. Um, and, yeah, don't pay me. Pay John. Pay Oscar. What if I go on the Smarksman and I have a question about my electricity while I'm shooting people at Fortnite? You can fuck right off, because I don't know shit about your New Jersey power, and I don't care about your heartwarming story about how chefs are coming together to help provide food for electrical workers, or some shit that gets like 100 retweets and 100 likes within the span of a day, completely putting my phone on blast. You sons of bitches, you could have just tweeted the right account. It didn't take much help. I don't even care about these pictures. I don't care about this shit. Fuck New Jersey. the fuck are you doing? Fair enough. I guess I'll just stick to asking where we drop in then. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. It's always retail row, you know that. It's where's the power dropping? Uh, the power is the grotto. dropping by. Yeah, the grotto, or um, whatever that northeast. Hydro sixteen. Hydro sixteen or seventeen? Yeah, whatever it is. Um, I think the place in northeast that nobody ever goes to by the yacht. I just think of the grotto just because it's got all those like you know the the ski lift power lines by it there. Oh yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, the whole east coast has that on there, and uh, we've already. Holy shit, we were talking okay, way but what's, too... Okay, what's the New Jersey of Fortnite? <laughs> oh, Steamy Stacks. Yeah, it's Steamy Stacks. That's, That's exactly easy. what I was getting at with that. And no, I'm not going to fix those goddamn power plants. They know what they did. I don't even care about the chefs that work there. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> this has been your Fortnite Minute on Heal Alternative. But until then, this has been a Pro Cool production. If you want to support more of our good stuff, remember, it is Patreon.cool. It's not just cool, it's give us money. Yeah, it's give us money, what the fuck? But, yes. For Oscar, for John, I am Trace, and until next time, y'all come back now, okay? podcast was brought to you by the zonecast network executive produced by owen douglas visit zonecast.com for more shows 